Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, on the road again here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're all over the place, and what a setting. If you watch on the video feeds, and hopefully we get it up and running and rocking and rolling, I think we will any minute now. Uh, but uh, pretty good background down in Fort Lauderdale, just a little north of Miami. Jaguars will play the Dolphins on Thursday, and uh, I've made my way down a little bit earlier, even before the team this week, stealing an extra day down in South Florida and on assignment. As we like to say, Brent Martineau here, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane back in the studios, lonely again, stuck with coups. I don't know which one it is. What's up, man? Not too much, man. Just uh, keeping your seat warm and everything, trying to make your microphone work. But uh, I think we're all good, man. It's uh, it's raining here, by the way, in case you didn't know. What oh, else is surprise, new? surprise. What else well, is new? You'll, you'll see what it's doing here, and it's uh, pretty nice uh, right now. Good. In, um, Fantastic. In in South Florida. Good. Uh, let's just say that. And but we could get some rain. There's certainly a possibility uh, for that. Uh, and Coos, just so you know, the video should be up and going, buddy. So I know we we uh, we had a, that fall out for a second, but it should be good. So anyway, man, now we got a little Baker Mayfield doing a Jalen Ramsey. Gotta like that. Uh, so we we get right into it. Jaguars are a couple of days away from playing. It looks like they're really healthy, mm-hmm. and they'll have some guys not playing. You know, the Marquise Lees of the world. Interesting with their tight end situation. Jeff Swaim, Charles Jones, they're all out. Obviously, Josh Oliver is out. So light on the tight end. You know, now that the offensive line is healthy, we asked this question a week ago or a couple of days ago. What concerns you the most, tight ends, offensive line, or depth at running back? We both answered the question with offensive line first the other day. I said tight end second. You said running back second. Yep. Now, here we are three days later. Would you almost put the fact that you're more concerned about the tight ends than the offensive line? Because the offensive line's practicing, and it looks like they're back to full go. Yeah, I'm still going to go with the running backs because eventually I feel like the tight ends will get healthier. And by the time Kansas City rolls around week one, uh, you know, they're – there should be like the the depth that you should expect from the tight ends, as opposed to the running back depth, where all things considered, everybody's healthy right now. But once again, I'm still nervous in the fact that they don't have that change of pace back. They don't really have a third down back, and I don't want to see them rely on Fournette, you know, 20 to 30 times a game, and uh, kind of give him a giant workload. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Uh, I just don't know who the heck they're throwing to or blocking right now that they can rely on. Again, I don't think I panic on the tight end situation because Josh Oliver will be back. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you got to be careful with the hamstring, and he could even be back for game one. Doug Marone said that in the last few days. I don't know how severe the Jeff Swaim uh, thing and Charles Jones is right now, but from a depth standpoint, obviously Swaim is the more important of the two from a name recognition and an investment um, uh, standpoint for the Jags. And it looks like they really will rely on Swain, O'Shaughnessy, and Oliver. And then somewhere in the mix you get a Koyak, and who really knows about Charles Jones. But still, it's definitely um, uh, a little troublesome to see in a game where everybody's going to play, or at least everybody that can play is going to play, that they are without three of their tight ends, uh, and two of them that will see significant time and be a part of the game plan. Uh, instant reaction uh, to the Baker Mayfield stuff because I do want to. I want to talk Mayfield. You know, we have our our own 
guy that can be polarizing in Jacksonville. That's Jalen Ramsey. He goes to JQ, uh, GQ and says all these things. He <laughs> didn't really just deny it. To, just trying to put players, uh, you know, on, uh, under the bus a little bit. Not really talking I mean, fashion. Trying to make them look bad. I always thought GQ was like, you know, maybe I'd get an interview for wearing the, uh, you know, the V-neck shirt that I got on today. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen the gym what you're wearing yet, Brent, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> And I will analyze so, from there. <laughs> but but that's, I thought, what GQ is. Instead, GQ is an instigator, man. They're like uh, the tabloids all of a sudden. Yeah. And Jalen Ramsey's words. Now, the thing about Ramsey is he never really denied context or anything like that. Baker Mayfield is denying context. He tweeted, I think, this afternoon, if I saw correctly, that uh, that's not what I said. That was a little bit of what I said mixed in with other things. And so now he's, he's uh, saying taken out of context. But... It goes to a bigger deal on Baker Mayfield because, again, you look at that position in the NFL and you don't get guys like Mayfield very often that are very good, that are brash, that say what he says and does what he does, especially as a young guy coming in. You know, I, I guess Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of that in him and even did early on because he wanted to play and he pushed that and said he was frustrated with the whole Favre thing. But I'm trying to think of another guy, Austin, that has come in and been that kind of character at that position. It's usually well, very businesslike, yeah. buttoned up, wear the suit CEO kind of guy like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and the like. Uh, Johnny Football comes to mind pretty quick. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know what? He never had a chance to establish that because he wasn't anything. You know what I mean? Now yeah. Baker Mayfield is established. He's part of what people believe is going to be a turnaround in Cleveland. And it's still very early to tell that. But I don't think Johnny Manziel ever delivered even to the point. It was always like, uh-oh, what's wrong with Johnny? Is he even going to get on the field? Is he even going to be in the locker room? Yeah. So I think that is a little bit different. Uh, again, everybody's famous example of a guy that's brash and, and, and say, has that image is Joe Namath, right? And Namath sure. had the guarantee, and Namath uh, was Broadway Joe. And it works if you win, and it works if you have great moments, and it works if you're good. The The problem is you better be good, because if not, Baker Mayfield's not going to look good in this whole deal. Yeah, and I'm just speaking from Johnny Menzel and the fact, like, you know, being brash. I remember, I think it was his second preseason game, they played the Eagles. He gets tackled by an Eagles player on the sideline of, of the, Philly, uh, fan, like the Philly players, and as he's walking off the sidelines, proceeds to give the whole basically team, uh, you know, the bird. So when, when he was going back to the huddle. So, like, I think he did have some brashness, but it's like you said, he didn't really have a chance to really showcase that because he didn't last that long in the NFL. With Baker Mayfield, listen, I've been a fan of how he's approached the game so far. I think he's being true to himself. He's being a competitor. He's holding teammates accountable, even calling them out during practices. And I think that's what the you know front office saw in Baker Mayfield, that he is a winner, and that's the type of guy that they want leading the team. Now, listen, he's, he said that his words are taken out of context, but there's always some truth to what's being said, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And the fact that he was quoted saying, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones, it blows my mind. And then he, he went on to say how, um, basically to s- sum it up, like you can't overthink it. Uh, if, if they don't win in college, why would they win in the NFL? And... I have an issue with that because now it's not so much about his own team that he's talking about, that he's holding people accountable about. Now he's busy nitpicking other quarterbacks. And, yeah, I get it. Jalen Ramsey did the same thing, uh, you could say. But Jalen Ramsey's a corner. 
Uh, Jalen Ramsey from a position where, you know, it is a flashy spot. Uh, there is some ego involved. Not to say there's not ego involved at the quarterback position as well, but when you're talking about the general on your team, there's a double standard. And I do have issues with Baker Mayfield basically trash-talking other quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's a catch-22 for me because in my line of work, I want a guy to be honest. You know, and I always feel I always try to be a little careful here because you want a guy to be genuine, raw, honest, answer the questions instead of the cliches and the boring interview guy. And you get that guy too. You know, Derek Jeter made a living doing that. Eight second soundbite, never get in trouble, not on the back pages, and it was brilliant. I'm not saying that's a bad move if you're the player. But I think from our perspective and from the fan perspective, we want an open book, right? We want reveal the curtain. We sure. want to see more of the player than we'd ever been able to see before. It's the reason why people like Hard Knocks. It's the reason why yesterday on the show we talked about how we like Sean McVay taking us through a play. You can see it. You can kind of feel the genius. You can, you can feel the excitement of that guy and the energy of that guy. We want more of that. We thirst for that because there is such a curtain between player, uh, pro sport team, and the outside world. It's a different world, and it's a curtain there. So I've got to be careful in saying I can't stand when a guy like Baker Mayfield does this or definitely Jalen Ramsey. I don't mind them speaking their mind. I just don't know if it's always a smart move, especially as the quarterback. And I do think it uh, it is two different deals. There is a double standard, whether you like it or not. Jalen Ramsey doing it is okay. He's also allowed to trash talk and do all these things And at that position. He's on an island. The quarterback man just isn't always allowed to do that unless you are really going to back it up. And I think that's the uh, potential issue. I'm not saying it's an issue right now. Maybe they live up to it. But some of the things that Baker Mayfield has said already, the, the, the chugging of the beer, which was fun at Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then this thing coming out, I can't get out of my mind saying 4-12, and 12, here we come. You know, it just feels like, uh-oh, you're setting yourself up to fail. You're you're putting yourself in a spot where you are going to get ridiculed and criticized. And we'll find out. Maybe he's uh, he's immune to that and because they're so good and he's so good. And, and maybe he's that guy that can get away with it. And that would be a lot of fun, by the way, for the sport. It would be a lot of fun for Cleveland. And I think it works this way, Austin. And you've played with guys like this. But if Jalen Ramsey is on my team, I love the guy. If he's on anybody else's team, I don't like the guy. And yeah. I think Baker Mayfield is like that from the outside for us. And you got to be careful of that, too. If Baker Mayfield was playing here in Jacksonville, this would be a hell of a lot of fun. Since he's in Cleveland, I'm like, oh, boy, this isn't going to work out well. And he comes across as this, this, this too brash young player. And listen, I haven't, up until now, I haven't had a problem with anything that he said. I do have an issue with him calling out Daniel Jones, though, because... Really, his argument doesn't make any sense at all. His whole argument is the fact that Daniel Jones didn't win a lot of games in college, therefore he's not going to win in the NFL. Let's go ahead and look at the, you know, one of the top, well, let's go look at two top quarterbacks last year in the NFL. Let's look at Drew Brees real quick. Drew Brees went 7-5 and five his junior year at Purdue. He went 8-4 and four his senior year. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP. His junior year went 7-6. and six. His senior year went 5-7. and seven. So... To, to sit there and say, well, if you don't win in college, you can't win in the NFL, that's just simply not true. And that's where I have my issue with. I mean, number one, yeah, I have an issue where you call the, uh, you call a quarterback because there's a double standard. You have to be the general. You have to be a leader on the team. Focus on your own team. But I have a bigger issue in saying that the facts that you're trying to bring to the table right now, Baker Mayfield, and listen, I've had your back a lot on this show, but the facts you're bringing right now to the table, they don't make any sense. 
Yeah, uh, it'll be, and again, that's my guy Daniel Jones too. Keep stay yeah. away from Daniel Jones, <laughs> right? I mean, Daniel Jones has been pretty good. I mean, hang I'll on to the honest, football a couple times. The first two preseason games looking really good, Brent. Looking really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of uh, words, yeah, I uh, just read a quote coming out of the Jags locker room today. Of course, I wasn't in there. I was on my way down here. Um, and did you read this quote? No. Oh, I thought okay. it had something to do with my Alex Magoo interview. Oh, no. Did it go well? I didn't even oh, know, so I didn't yeah. want to tease that. Okay, did it go sorry. okay? <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> I mean, did you guys compare tattoos for like 20 minutes? Uh, I'm not going to lie. This was a long conversation. Uh, we, we we can get into it a little bit later, but uh, I want to know the quote that, that was said in the locker room, though. Okay, that's the tease. Coming yeah. up next, uh, it's Jags player, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles related. There's your tease. Okay. We'll have more of it from South Florida to Jacksonville. The Action Sports Jack Studios to here in Fort Lauderdale. Jags will be here tomorrow. They'll play on Thursday against the Miami Dolphins here in South Florida. But we are here a day early, and you can hang with us. It's a pretty cool setting. The ocean right behind us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Join the conversation. What do you think about Baker Mayfield? Hit us up on the social media channels or call Star Star 690. And you might want to chime in on the next topic as well, what uh, one player has to say about portals and poles. Coming up next. Hey, welcome back, South Beach. Not quite. We're in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I could have sold it like that, though. It looks a little bit South Beach looks nice. here in South Florida. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, it's beautiful right now uh, here in uh, Fort Lauderdale, a little north of Miami, not too far from the stadium where the Jacksonville Jaguars will play the Miami Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium coming up on Thursday night. We got down here a little bit early, a day earlier, and the uh, Jags will come down tomorrow, and we'll have coverage for the next couple of days uh, from South Florida, and obviously a place to be because Miami Hurricanes going up to Orlando to meet the Florida Gators. Officially announced today, by the way, there'll be a home-and-home -home series, Gators in Miami, 2024 and 2025. That came out over the weekend. We commented about that yesterday, but officially that is a done deal now. And, uh, of course, we're getting closer and closer to kickoff between the Gators and the Canes. Saturday night, Camping World Stadium, 7 o'clock on ESPN. We'll continue to talk about that game, some college football. I want to play a little game, by the way, with the Florida State quarterback situation. And I've been driving a lot, Austin. I don't think they've named the quarterback yet. They're still pretty quiet on the QB situation, even though everybody else seems to have named one by now. My guess is uh, Taggart will even wait till next Monday to officially announce a, a quarterback <laughs> yeah. for the Florida State Seminoles. It, I don't know why he's waiting that long, but I think it's going to be James Blackman. But I want to get your thoughts because I'm going to play you two different sound bites from the offensive coordinator, and I want everybody to play along and see what you think. Read between the lines. Because um, I thought it was kind of crystal clear. I went back and listened to it again, and I'm not sure it was as crystal clear as when I first heard it when I was in Tallahassee on Sunday, but I want everybody's opinion on that. Uh, this, uh, by the way, we are at the uh, Fort Lauderdale Marriott Harbor Beach Resort and Spa. And one of the reasons I came down a day early, Austin, it's one of my all-time favorite hotels. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, obviously, you could tell. Be with the. I just turned a little bit because as soon as I got out in the sun, the shade came. And uh, I didn't want it to, to look bad on camera, or at least well, not that bad. I'm not going to lie. You look like it's Photoshopped right now. That doesn't even look real to me in the background. <laughs> it, it does not. It looks absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm out on, like, the hotel is to my left, and the ocean is to my right. Yeah. And I'm probably closer to the ocean than my room. Okay. I haven't checked in yet, but um, just got here. So, anyway, it's one of my favorite places, so we appreciate the nice folks here uh, for the fantastic hospitality the next couple of days. And then we'll have the show from Hard Rock Stadium 
on uh, Thursday as we've had full coverage all day long. That game is on Fox 30. It's a nationally televised game at 8 o'clock for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, uh, this just out of the Jags locker room. And we'll get to more um, uh, Baker Mayfield in a bit. But John Reed just tweeted this out from the Florida Times Union on D.D. Westbrook. Uh, locker room was open this afternoon, and he says, quote, Nothing against Blake Bortles at all. Blake is a great friend of mine. But to be out there with Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, obviously that's what we've been lacking. D.D. Westbrook, give him credit. Again, what I just said before the break, I love when these guys are honest. I love when they, when they, say, what, when they say what they feel. And Didi's now done this a couple of times. Remember, he kind of called out that locker room last year. Said there were clicks in that locker room. Mm-hmm. That was a few weeks back when he did that. And he didn't back down from it. Because we did an interview with Didi uh, a few days after that, and he kind of said it again. So he was just being honest, and I think he's being honest here. He's not a, trying to knock Blake Bortles. The bottom line is, what I've been saying for a while, and I was a defender of Blake Bortles, so so don't uh, – I, I fully admit that. But what I think – is happening around here is they just have not had a presence like this. Forget about the last few years. I say going all the way back to Mark Brunel. I mean, it's been quite some time. I think David Garrard had some bits of that when he was playing well, but I think the presence of Nick Foles in this locker room cannot be understated. Now, we haven't seen him on the field yet in a game, so don't go crazy, but the presence is important in that position. It's kind of what we're juxtapositioning against Baker Mayfield. you got to be careful what you say because presence is important at that position. It's, it's really more important at that position, what you do, what you say, how you act, almost as much as how you play than any position in sports. And I think that's what they're talking about, Austin. I think that's what D.D. Westbrook feels. It's not necessarily, hey, Blake, it was trash, although some might say that. It was. It's more, man, this Nick Foles guy, he's got a Super Bowl. That resume is impressive, and he's accurate, and he does things that we've been lacking around here at that quarterback position. So I'm not sure how the proper etiquette goes and – you know the whole interview process here of what I kind of cannot say, but I actually had an interesting question for Alex Magoo, and unfortunately the question I guess got cut off because there's some mic issues, so I'm just going to share it anyways. But um, I asked Alex, you know, I asked Alex about Nick Foles, and you know, Alex Magoo is a guy that came from Seattle, and there was Russell Wilson, they're the highest paid quarterback right now in the NFL, and I asked him, I'm like, how do both guys kind of approach their craft? What are some differences? And it was interesting to hear Alex Magoo's reaction to it because he almost didn't want to offend any of the Seattle Seahawks. But he said that Russell Wilson was a very business-like in his craft where it was almost like you couldn't really be around him, you know, because he was so focused on winning. And maybe that meant that he wouldn't necessarily see how everybody's doing or, um, you know, it was almost like he had his blinders on and then yeah, yeah. and then when he brought up nick Foles, um you know like he immediately had this giant smile on his face he's like nick Foles is a guy who yes obviously cares about winning but it's about the off the field kind of stuff you know like if something's going on if someone has a question you you, you, can, you can text nick Foles, ask him the question he'll get back to you so it's almost like yes he's a great teammate inside the locker room but he's also great in public you know or he's also great outside the locker room and that was kind of the biggest thing that i kind of gather talking to Alex Magoo is where while there's some great teammates that can be in the locker room, you know, as far as the quarterback position is concerned, and they're great winners, but there's a very rare occurrence where they're great teammates and great friends outside the locker room. And everything that I heard, Nick Foles is one of those guys. 
That's a, a good thought, and I want to expand upon that. Even from the defensive side of the ball, from a locker room standpoint, I want to ask you about that, Austin, in a moment. But let's go to the phone lines right now, sprinkling a little Jags Dolphins talk. Zach is hanging on the line. Thanks for listening and call it in. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Zach, what's up, man? Hey, Brent. Hey, Austin. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. Fantastic. How you doing? Um, big, uh, I'm a big Jags fan here in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, Titans country. And uh, just... <laughs> Just wanted to see how you, what you guys think about uh, Thursday night. Hey, uh, I think it comes down to our whole perception and narrative over the next couple of weeks, Zach, is going to be built off these two quarters of play, or however long it is. Maybe it's three drives. Maybe it's a quarter and a half. Maybe they do come out for the third quarter, although I'll be stunned if that's the case. Uh, so I think this is all about building a narrative, a confidence, a vibe in the city of Jacksonville, in and outside that building. I think if they look really bad... Thursday night against the Dolphins, a team that's really not that good, then I think there will even be concern in the building. And when there's concern in the building, whether it's in the locker room, the offices, everywhere else, things get tight as they enter the regular season. So I do think there's value in here. I don't think you have to go out and blow out the Dolphins to make everybody feel good. I I phrase it as businesslike. Austin, I think they have to be businesslike on Thursday night. Do some of the things. Check some of the boxes. Not be perfectly clean. But check some of the boxes to give people hope and a good feeling going into uh, that opener against the Kansas City Chiefs on September 8th. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's about checking the boxes, but also it's about giving yourself confidence as well. And if you can string the go- if you can string a few drives together, that's going to add confidence going into the Chiefs week one. Um, things I'm going to be watching for, like I said yesterday on the show a little bit, the Dolphins are very vulnerable up front, especially at the guard position. Uh, if Clayus Campbell does play, he-, he could feast. I think anybody on the defensive line could feast. And I'm also going to watch the communication um, as far as the offense is concerned for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going against the Miami Dolphins team on defense who's a little different now. Usually the Dolphins MO has been, you know, they have a good pass rush up front. That's not the case anymore. They're going to rely more on their pass rush from exotic looks and blitzes. And not to say they're going to show those a lot during the preseason games because it's going to be very vanilla, but I feel like uh, you're going to have to use your communication a little bit, uh, especially on the offensive line, to try to point out some of those blitzes and some of those exotic formations. So I want to make sure that the offensive line is good to go, especially a group that, for, for, you know, for the most part is playing their, their first ball together uh, of, of the preseason here. All right, Zach, let's keep you on the line for a second, get your college take. I'm assuming you're a Vols fan. And uh, what's going on in Knoxville, man? Any hope uh, in the SEC East for, or for the uh, Tennessee Volunteers? You know what, Brent? I'm actually a Gator fan. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't care. How's that go, by the way? How's, how's being a Gator fan in Knoxville? Well, I, I take a lot of crap up here, but I got a, <laughs> I got a, I got a lot of good family support. You know, if somebody messes with me, they got to deal with my brothers. So, <laughs> hey, by the way. You shouldn't take too much crap up there recently, especially how it's gone for Tennessee. So you got the upper hand right now. Uh, but just be safe oh, in Knoxville. Hey, thanks for listening to the show up in Tennessee. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see what the Jags do on Thursday night. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, good to hear from Zach. And uh, That's funny. I just kind of assumed that he was a Vols fan. All right. Back to the Nick Foles conversation we were having, Austin. Yeah. And... You know, I talk about this presence. I, I, I'm a little scarred by talking about good guys and guys doing sprints after practice and leadership. And I mean, this has been 12 years I've been around this deal, and there's only been one season, and maybe your 2010 year that it's been kind of 
fun and those things were put to fruition to equal success. There's always those kind of examples in a locker room. There's 53 guys. Hmm. So I, I hate to get carried away with that. But I do want to continue to pound home the presence factor of Nick Foles, the resume of that quarterback position. It's different than even when Calais Campbell got in. It's different when Malik Jackson came in here. It would be different than whatever player came in that locker room because it's the quarterback position. And I think that even feeds down to the defensive side of things. Foles, when he met with the media last week, when we were talking to him about Philadelphia, and there was a lot of stories about Foles in Philadelphia, and you saw what happened after the game and before the game against the Eagles. I mean, everybody went up to Nick Foles. Everybody. It's like he impacted that organization. Now, why did he impact the organization? He won. He won big. He brought them a Super Bowl championship. I get that. That That's a little bit different. It's extreme. But I'm telling you, they had people in suits waiting for 10 minutes to go say hello and uh, give their best to Nick Foles. It wasn't just players on the sideline and coaches that he had he had uh, played under. So the presence that he had and the impact that he had was massive on the Philadelphia Eagles, and we all know that. But I think he also said something leading up to that game, and he said he basically said, you know what, this is not about me. He's like, and I want to make sure these guys know it's not about me. I want to know how their family's doing. I want to know how their kids are doing. I want to know how they're doing in Jacksonville. Do they need anything? He has gotten to know these guys to say, hey, this isn't about me. It's about you. It's about us. And, again, sounds really corny. But in the ultimate team game, from the ultimate position in sports, it's a good thing to have a domino effect, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think it even leaks over to the defensive side of the ball when they see things like this. To have him be that guy. He has turned down one-on-one interviews with everybody. Not just the local media. He's done it with the national media. He said, don't make this about me. I want to make it about the team. And I'm not saying the first time he does an interview, it will make it about him all of a sudden. But there's a cognizant effort on Nick Foles' behalf to say, hey, I want to get to know you because I want to battle with you, and I want you to battle for me much like I'll battle for you. And again, it sounds corny, sounds silly, but we have not really seen that in Jacksonville. If you go back to the Bortles years, again, a defender, guilty. If you go back to the Gabbert years early on, I was, hey, let's see what this kid's got. He looks good in practice. I think everybody had a little hope. Well, if you go back just to those two guys over the last decade, it was oh my gosh, let's just pray and hope that these guys have potential that we're not always seeing consistently. Well, they don't have to do that anymore in Jacksonville. And I just don't know if you can understate that, Austin. I think that's real. And will it show on the football field is now the only remaining question. You know, when I'm when I'm analyzing Nick Foles, I take the things that I've myself encountered in a locker room and on the field, and then I just go off of what my ears and my eyes tell me. And we were talking about Nick Foles, and the thing's always the same. And everybody I talk to on that team about Nick Foles, they light up. You know, they smile, and they, they tell about how great of a guy he is first. Now, yeah, they also mentioned he's a good quarterback as well. But it's the type of person that he is. And I'm not trying to knock Blake Bortles by any means, Brent. But I feel like, and listen, I wasn't here interviewing guys when Blake Bortles was on the team. But I feel like any interview that I saw, to, saw about Blake Bortles in that locker room, you know, they, they weren't really quick to say, oh, yeah, Blake's a great guy, yeah. Yada, yada yada you know it was about we have to help Blake out we have to do our part and it was more of like kind of like the mundane kind of 
generic answer. And oh, we got his back. They had to always defend him, man. Well, but you know, they played, always had to defend him. I mean, that's that's part of being a football team. Though. What are we going to say if we don't have Blake Bortles back? Like, how is that going to no, no, I mean, No, no, I'm not saying they were wrong in defending him. I'm just saying we, the media, the fans, or whatever, had to ask questions, or there was always criticism, even from outside of Jacksonville. Yeah. And even Blake's play caused them to have to defend more than just fall in line. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And, you know, and like you said, it, it kind of does sound maybe corny or cheesy or whatever, but there is something to be said for a general that you want to play for. You remember, I, I've shared this story before, my rookie year, uh, a quarterback by the name of Trent Edwards. I think he came from Buffalo. He uh, did. Dave goes down with an injury. Captain check down. Yep. Trent, uh, Trent comes in for, for literally a game, but during that game, Trent Edwards took off for about a 15-yard run and absolutely gets decleated. Um, his helmet came flying off. I think his feet were the first thing to hit the ground. Like His feet hit like the back of his head. Like It was that big of a hit. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing, like, I think his chin was bleeding and everything, but he stayed in the game. And I remember when that hit happened, we go in there at halftime, and we all rallied around Trent and said, listen, we, we have your back here, man. We're, we're going to win this game because of that simple play. You know, so, sometimes whether it's how a quarterback acts or how he acts on the field, whatever, how he acts in the locker room, but there's certain things that a quarterback can do that um, gives you a little extra motivation if you're a teammate. You know, it's like you don't want to let that guy down. It's almost like having a great yeah. coach. You know, I mean, some of the great coaches out there, no, maybe they're not necessarily the guys that are chewing you out the most. It's the guys that you don't want to let down. Those, those are what makes a, a fantastic coach. And I think Foles is to that point now where guys don't want to let this dude down because of how he, how he commands a locker room and just how he approaches the game. I think that's well said. Did you win that game, by the way? That's a great question. I think we lost it. Hey, if I had to pick one. Yeah, but here's the messed up part, though, too. I think, Trent, if I'm not mistaken, Trent Edwards got hurt the, the, the next game. Uh, okay. I, th- I think he scrambled again. I think you're right. And then I that, think you're right. And then that's when um, Todd McCom- Bowman, right? Bowman, Todd, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah to Todd Bowman. Get, man, uh, I'm really trying to dig back here in 2010. Yeah, we're going deep, man. Yeah, that's when, that's when Todd Bowman came in then, too. So, yeah. But you know what? Just that scenario. And again, I think David Garrard had nice moments here, so I don't want to shortchange DG. But oh, n- not at just all. The, just that conversation you just had, and then you sprinkle it over the Gabbert years and then the Blake years, I just don't think we can understate how important it is to have a guy like Foles with that presence, the veteran experience, the resume. All those things matter to people in the locker room. Don't worry about outside the locker room. I'm talking about guys inside the locker room, in meeting rooms, in the hallways, and and we'll see on the football field. We'll see if it translates. It's not automatic. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's not automatic, but it's a good starting point and something we haven't seen in Jacksonville in a long time. And I think that's what D.D. Westbrook was talking about. Uh, let's go to the phone lines before we take a timeout. Wally's with us, a uh, big Foles fan. I think he's an Eagles guy. Uh, what's up, man? Yeah. Hey, uh, guys. I'm, I'm a longtime Eagles fan. Grew up in Philly and everything. And I live in Jacksonville now, and I love. I will always love Nick Foles for what he brought to the Eagles, bringing the Super Bowl and everything. And I know he's a great guy, but I have concerns because I'm sure he's great in the locker room, like everybody says. But there are still concerns about a lot of the time his play was mediocre during the regular season uh, at times. So I think I know a lot of people here who think the Jags are going to the Super Bowl, and I would love it. I love an Eagles-Jags Super Bowl, but I just have concerns that his play on the field is going to lift them up as much as his personality in the locker room and his leadership. Wally, 
Wally, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for listening to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We appreciate the thoughts. Uh, and, Austin, I think that's fair. Oh, and I think what it comes down I, to is wins and, and losses, Brent. And, yeah. and by the way, I, and I don't know if we've criticized or questioned enough at times. I mean, even recently, the, the story about his elbow got me thinking the last couple of days. We, we probably haven't questioned enough. Is this guy, this is two times now, one injury, one because he thought he had kind of lost the love of the game a bit, uh, given the situations after the Jeff Fisher uh, debacle, that he thought about hanging him up. And one that injury. I mean, so there are question marks around Nick Foles. I, I don't want to deny that part. Wally brings him up, and I think that's fair. And, and part of that is, guy hasn't played 16 games. We've all said that. Can he make it through 16 games? And what I wonder is, I think the reason why we don't talk about it as much. We know there's going to be good and play, bad play from the quarterback position. It happens to all of them. Tom Brady didn't play every game great last year. He didn't. But. Are the peaks and valleys going to be so high and low, especially the valleys? And that's what it's been like around here for a decade at the QB position. It's been the valleys have been so far down that they've been hard to overcome. And can he give you more good than bad? And that means consistency. And those are two things, again, that we haven't had out of that position here in Jacksonville in so long and really hardly ever in this franchise's 25-year history. So I get it. But I think there's more to cling on to from a positive side and hope for, especially since we haven't seen him play a football game in a Jags uniform, than there is the negative side of it. You know, and then the caller makes a great point, though, Brent. If you look back at Nick Foles' career, uh, you know, his, his Pro Bowl year back in 2013, the guy comes out, throws 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, that's, a, that's what we call a Pro Bowl year. And then that was kind of in the, you know, the new Chip Kelly offense. He comes out the next year, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. We have to remember, even when he was leading the, the Eagles to the Super Bowl, he only threw five touchdowns for two interceptions. So... From a stats perspective, uh, yeah, m- maybe you should be a little nervous if you're a Jaguars fan because, all things considered, he hasn't necessarily done it really consistently. Now, once again, he's been a backup for a couple years as well. Keep that in mind. But I think where the intrigue comes in, Brent, is that they're not asking Nick Foles to come in here and be that 27-touchdown, two-interception kind of guy. They're asking him to come in here make the plays and not cause turnovers because the way the team's set up right now with that defense and the ability to, to run the ball if Leonard Fournette is on this year, um, it's all there for him to just you know play his style of ball, not force anything, not have to be this hero. And I think that's where, where kind of the intrigue comes a little bit where they're not going to ask him to go out there and be a, a, a pro bowler. Now, it would be nice, but mm-hmm. I think that if he's even you know above average, I think the team's going to be successful this year. Austin, just think about this, man. If this offense can score 24 points in a game, it'll be hard to beat them. Absolutely. And and by the way, your defense might help you get seven of those. Exactly. You know, I mean, they might either set you up point blank or score themselves. It has the capability. So we're talking 24 points. Not try, trying to say, hey, they need to score 32, 35 a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, they might have to on occasion. They might have to score 32, uh, 31, or 34. Uh, 32 is kind of a weird football number. Uh, <laughs> to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the opener. They might. Because you can play a good defensive game, and still the Chiefs might score 27, even against the Jags' defense. So, uh, yeah, I think game in, game out, if they, if they score 24 points, you feel pretty good about how many W's they're going to get, especially with the defense, the running game, and all of it that goes together. And to bring it back to Didi, we'll talk a little bit more later on, you do have to wonder about the confidence of this receiving core with Foles and how much better can he make them. One thing you can't deny, Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbert never made a receiver better. They never did. They just didn't. 
We had receivers around here at times that bailed those guys out. But those two quarterbacks didn't make anybody better. Nick Foles has a chance maybe to make some of these young guys uh, even better. We're coming back. We're going to talk more football, college football. Stay a little close to home. EWC checks in. And, uh, of course, we'll talk more Baker Mayfield, more Nick Foles, what D.D. Westbrook had to say. I want to get to the Florida State quarterback situation as well. A lot to get to from South Florida all the way to the Action Sports Jack Studios on ESPN 690. Very difficult. Um, my thing is, um, besides me having to rehab and come back, I mean, just sitting on the sideline and seeing them work and not being able to be out there and just work with them and sweat with them has uh, been quite difficult for me. So now that I got the opportunity to be back and sweat with them and grind with them, I, I don't got no worries no more. And that's Marquise Lee. Uh, big fan of Marquise Lee around here. I am at least a uh, good man. Good, uh, long road from, boy, when he was a kid. I've been out to his home in, in California. And now some of the injuries he's battled through to get the extension and play well for two years. And then this knee blew up on him. Uh, the ACL, uh, the PCL, the MCL. And here he is. Some people told me, by the way, that just to be back on the field is a win for Marquise Lee with this kind of injury. So good to see him back in the fold, at least on the field. And he won't play Thursday night. Can he get ready for the opener? We'll talk more about it, and we'll hear more from Marquise Lee uh, as he continues to climb back from that injury late in the preseason a year ago. Uh, Brent Martineau here in Fort Lauderdale in South Florida. The Jags take on the Dolphins in a couple of days. And Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. He never gets to come on the road anymore. I don't know why. Do you get, like, your driver's license revoked or something? No, man, I'm just a busy man. You know, I'm, i got to stay training and everything like that, so. True. And, and, yeah, unfortunately, and I probably should have worn some makeup today because I kind of have a little bit of a shiner. Uh, oh, you got one. What, you a little sparring? Uh, no, literally just grappling, and I got I got poked, so. <laughs> well, like with an elbow or, like, in the uh, with uh, a finger? It was like a knuckle. Let's, let's call uh, it a knuckle. Yeah. And there's so many times I wanted you to do this. What's I that? mean, I've wanted to do that to you. Oh, I got you. I'm like, do what? No, I know. I know. I don't know. I phrased that totally wrong. <laughs> You're all good. But, 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 yeah, but I shall say that, though. Yeah, so that might come on camera a little bit, so I apologize in advance. Uh, and listen, also, we want those battle scars, man. It yeah. makes us look tougher. We've okay. already said we're the toughest show in town. Yeah. Okay? There's nobody. Uh, now, you're on the front of that line, so make sure you keep grappling and sparring. <laughs> you got it. You got it. And then also, <laughs> I, I'm not in the locker room for more than two minutes, and Justin Bland comes by, and he's like, dude. Why are you wearing a collared shirt? I'm like, well, because I have to for my job now. He's like, yeah, I never thought I'd see the day. So uh, <laughs> I'm getting talk smack to all angles, but it's all good. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll keep talking smack to you in a moment. But let's yeah. talk some football. Edwaters College getting ready to open a season and a new era and going on to that Division two level. And uh, we're happy to have head coach of the Tigers, Greg Ruffin, with us right now in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Coach, thanks for taking some time. Hey, it's that time of year, man. How fired up are you? Hey, I'm really fired up. You know, we're tired of beating up on each other a little bit as much as we can, you know, in terms of being able to get, get practice in with all this rain in the Jacksonville area. So, yeah. you know, we, you know, it's, it's kind of been that kind of camp for us, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, What? give us a, a vibe of what's going on on campus. You guys have a lot of fun stuff, a lot of exciting stuff. I know some of it you have to wait for from a facility standpoint. Uh, remind us, too, does the Division Two goes into effect now, right? Well, we're playing a Division II schedule in the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. We'll be playing in that schedule. They've also uh, sent out an invitation for us to join the conference. So it, it was more of a, why don't we just get ourselves in line with this now rather than do it later. Uh, okay. We're submitting our, our institution, uh, uh, is submitting 
the uh, NCAA application will go in February the one, and and we hope to be a full provisional member of Division two by July of 2020. So you know we're only playing uh, in Division two schedule wise, just in football only this year. Uh, everybody else is still playing in the regular uh, Gulf Coast Athletic Conference and and I. Uh, 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 Association of Independent uh, Colleges in terms of our baseball schedule. But uh, we're looking forward to it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks for clarifying that, too. And like I said, you have a lot of good things, but even that you have to wait on a little bit. But can you give us a sense of the vibe on campus? Because there are some things in the hopper, you know, some things to look forward to, not only for the football program, but for the athletic program. Well, you know, I think, you know, what it does is if you look at the footprint of the conference that, we have the invitation from it puts us in a, a footprint that, that this gives us close travel in terms of proximity. You know, with us being, you know, we're three hours from Albany State, we're an hour and a half from Savannah, who just moved from Division One back down to Division Two. Uh, you know, we're four hours from Fort Valley, five hours from Atlanta from those schools, four hours from Columbia, South Carolina, as opposed to you know the conference we've we've been in and playing the crossover games. You know, we're going to Kentucky, we're going to West Virginia, we're going to, you know, uh, you know, we're all all over the place, you know, Virginia, you know, and, and I think, you know, in terms of it brings us all under one umbrella because right now if you look at over the past few years, you know, football is playing, playing under one umbrella, whereas our other schools are playing in the Gulf Coast, Coast Athletic Conference. And, of course, with them not sponsoring baseball, baseball having to do one thing, it brings us all under one roof, you know, in terms of, we don't have all the different relationships, you know, from a conference affiliation, and, and, it, and it gives us more, you know, matchups against our peer institutions, you know, the other HBCUs that, you know, like we said, are in close proximity. You just mentioned HBCUs, historically uh, black colleges, and can you give uh, – we have, it's a transient place uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, northeast Florida. Can you give folks that might not be from the south, uh, be from this area, just the pride of playing for an HBCU, being associated with it, being a part of it. Um, give us a sense of that because you've been around it a lot. I mean, you were just at Bethune-Cookman. Uh, you're obviously at EWC. Uh, I want to say uh, Texas College, right, before that? Right, Texas Southern, Jackson State. I mean, you know, I've, I've been around the block a little bit. But, but I think yeah. the biggest the, the biggest thing what it gives us, I, I, and, and uh, with the conference we just – just came out of in football, very good football conferences, the Sun Division and the Mid-South Conference. Uh, you know, it was very, very, very competitive. But I think, you know, from an overall growth standpoint in terms of where our administration wants to go under the leadership of Dr. Uh, A. Zachary Faison and our, our new athletic director, uh, Mr. Paul Bryant, I think one, one of the things it does for us is the SIAC has led Division Two in attendance the last 16 years in a row. And that wow. speaks volume. So when you, when you talk about it, the HBCU experience in terms of game day, the pageantry that goes along with it, with the marching bands and all of that, and, and then, of course, with the way this conference, they show up and show out in terms of attendance, it's going to do a lot for us because with us getting a new stadium going over on King's Road, you know, why not get a stadium and we're affiliated with, with a conference that's going to allow us to bring more people to Jacksonville and over there and, and, and give our campus exposure over there on King's Road. Coach, when, when you see teams move up, you know, uh, 
division, uh, you know, so, sometimes they have a rough first year, basically. Um, how important is it for you to have a, a successful first year, uh, you know, in kind of in order to build that confidence of your team? And also, I mean, has this, you know, move up now? Has it kind of changed your coaching philosophy at all? Well, no, because I was the head football coach at Payne College. Okay. And Payne is a member of this conference. They dropped football in the 60s. I brought the program back in 13. We had it for 13 and 14, and then they dropped the program. With the, with the first year we were independent in 2014, we played in that conference. And I lost by five, four, three, and two with, oh, wow. a, team full of, <laughs> with, a, with a team full of red shirt freshmen. So I know I know the, the the DNA of these teams. A lot of these coaches are still in the league. I played in this league with a brand new football team. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So so so, so this is not foreign to me. Uh, you know, I, I mean, my cousin's the head coach at Miles College. They won this league last year. They finished five and six. They got hot at the end and end up winning the league. So you know, I, I can honestly tell you, I thought in South. Southeastern, who's in the league, we just got a. I think they probably would have won the SIAC last year. So when we look at it in terms of a step up, I don't think we're stepping up in competition. More, more so, are we stepping up in terms of being able to sell our institution and be able to generate growth in terms of enrollment and awareness of where we are and who we are and what our identity is now. Coach Greg Ruffin with us, EWC Tigers head football coach. You mentioned it. You're going to go against your cousin then, Miles College, on October 19th, it looks like. That will be fun. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I told him to be like the old Bowden Bowl when, uh, <laughs> when, when, when Tommy used to go against his daddy. I mean, we're going to call it the Ruffin Bowl. We're going to build this thing up. He's done a great <laughs> job over there. But I, but, but I, I tell you what, I mean, I mean, I, I strive to be able to probably do some of the things that he's done there. I mean, before he got there, they hadn't won any championships in the history of their program, and he's won he's won three in the last uh, seven years, and and so he that's it's the best era of football they've ever had there in Birmingham. So I mean I mean I'm proud of him in that regard, and he's serv- uh, most certainly deserving of the re- uh, success he's had there. You know, uh, his wife died two years ago of cancer, and uh, he had a down year and he bounced back last year, and they came on late and won it. But but I tell you what, when he come in here, we we're gonna be gunning. We're gonna be gunning for him. We're gonna have that red dot on his forehead. I've already told him, so he knows he's been forewarned. You know. Hey, real quick, we gotta run, but uh, tell us about your football team. You like it? Well, we don't know. The biggest thing is, you know, we went from, you know, I inherited the only ten program. We went four and seven. We played over sixty-one freshmen last year, so most certainly we're a year older. Uh, we have some transfers that, that came in, so we're a year older, and we have some experienced guys. You know, can I tell you that's on a trans? late into to win, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I think our motto is this year, as we move up, you know, j- just don't flinch. It's no different than what we – football is football. It's no different than what, what we what we came out of. You know, we're not going to flinch. We're still simply going to tighten our helmets up a little bit tighter. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make sure that we got our boots strapped up a little bit harder. And I tell you what, we're going to be tough. You know, the biggest thing is we want to be physical. We're going to be tough. And we're going to do some things that kind of simplify some – what we do and how we do it so we can play fast and be as tough as we possibly can. Be physical, be disciplined. You can win some football games. EWC will open up against Morehouse College on September 7th at 7 o'clock. Then they hit the road for four straight games. Greg Ruffin, EWC Tigers head coach. Good luck this season, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. All right, uh, the opener again on September 7th, 7 o'clock for EWC. We'll be back a little more Mayfield Foles. 
Oh, what else we got? Portals. We got Fallen and Fallen. We got a lot to get to on ESPN 690. Uh, my goal is honestly uh, to be ready. As far as the doctors and stuff, I can't speak for the doctors and the coaches as far as what they plan for me to be. But as far as for me, um, I'm going to continue to take it day by day, try to improve, try to um, pick up my volume as far as the work at uh, workload, and hopefully be out there by the time it's time to go. Uh, that's Marquise Lee. He's got some catching up to do, absolutely. And I think a little bit of that is where the chemistry for uh, Nick Foles and him and all the receivers have been playing with Nick Foles now through the last – Oh, six months. Six months? Maybe not six months. May, June, July, August. Four months. <laughs> I can't count very well. But you get what I mean. And now uh, Marquise Lee has to find uh, his footing as well. Brett Martineau here in Fort Lauderdale. Not necessarily South Beach or Miami. Just a little north of there. We can see downtown from here. Well, not from here, but from the other side of the hotel. Uh, at the Marriott Beach Harbor Resort in Fort Lauderdale. Fantastic place. Uh, the ocean is right there. You might be able to see it on the video. I'm not sure. You can definitely see some palm trees. And why does the orange juice taste so much better down here, Austin Lane? Uh, that's a great question, Brent. I'm not a big orange juice guy or a juice guy really in general, but um, I'm sure it's from the sunshine and the citrus that some co- coincides together. I don't know, man. Why are you asking about orange juice right now? <laughs> I don't know, but I just always, uh, even when I was a kid, when we come down, if we ever got this far down, it's like, a, dude, it's a cutoff. Like, the orange juice in Jacksonville is okay. The orange juice in Orlando gets a little better, but there's something about the orange juice in, like, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. That's just outstanding. I mean, is this you just trying to break to me right now that you're in Miami and we're in Jacksonville where it's raining again? Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I'm not a Miami guy, like so. That's, I'm not bragging. Like, you're I kind don't of mind being like in Jacksonville. A little bit with that V-neck there. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but you know what's crazy too is how far of a ride it is to Miami. Do you take like, it's a long A1A, ride, or what do you take? No, just straight shot 95. I got you. I mean, you can take the Florida Turnpike if you wanted to as well. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can take A1A. Yeah. But uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good ride. It's even here, four and a half, about four and a half hours, and then you got another 45 minutes or so to Miami if you want to get right into Miami. But what add to that is I love going to Key West or the Keys. Okay. But that's a hike now. I mean, that's seven or eight hours to get out all the way to Key West. It's a good eight hours. Yeah. Uh, so have you been to the Keys? I uh, haven't been to the Keys. Um, been to Panama City Beach a couple times. Gosh, I mean, what do you, you mean, get my out, gosh? Will you get around, get out a little bit? You've been in the Jacksonville area style, long man. enough. What do you? What, what's you're, wrong with Jacksonville, man? Well, nothing's wrong with Jacksonville, but you're close enough to go explore some things. Hey, I've been to Tampa. I've been to Gasparilla. I've done that whole thing. I've been to Miami. I've done it all. We'll have to watch Ronan or something, or you can take Ronan too. But yeah, uh, and you guys got to get away. Got to you got to go to Charleston, uh, even no. though I haven't been there either. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, but you got to go to like you're kind of like a keys guy. I'm a, like, I'm a keys guy. Yeah, like Just, I think you you'd be good in the keys. Like that's that's your it's a little bit of style for you. You okay. know, kind of the, the pace oh, is good. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm you not trying to label him, you anybody here. You can see I'm him paddleboarding up to the bar. You know. Oh, I could, that sounds like, delightful. Well, like that shirt you wore last week during mm. the Jags game. Yeah. 
That's going to look good in the keys, man. Okay, okay. Is that a compliment, or are you making fun of me right now? No, there's nothing to be careful about. I love the keys. (laughs) Okay, I I feel like this is like a passive-aggressive attempt to make fun of my style right now. No, usually I am like that, but I'm not being that right now. I just feel like you'd you'd like the keys. Okay, uh, I'll take it into account, and maybe sometime we'll go to see the keys and see what it's all about. Because this is, once again, another example. Put it on the list, which was getting pretty lengthy. Uh, Austin is not that cool. He hasn't been to the Keys. Hey. He doesn't know where Charleston is. I mean, he, he's been to Gasparilla, though. I guess that's good. Hey, Coos, I have a question for you. Why does Brett Marneau look like the lead singer of a Maroon 5 cover band playing at a bar mitzvah right now? <laughs> Do you know why? Why? Is it, I'm, I'm asking you. I have no idea. Is he because he's in Miami or what? Yeah, it's the Miami vibe, you know? Okay, I got you. Coos, if you, if you could write down all my... Um, what I look like, kind of thing. <laughs> that Austin says. I forgot about three quarters of them, so you might know, write it down. Yeah. I wish I could remember which shows they came from because <laughs> they are probably some of your best moments on the show. Uh, they're probably my only shining moments on the show, to be honest with you, Brent. But I'm trying, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're trying to bring a ray of sunshine from here in South Florida as it's raining <laughs> again, you. and uh, the Action Sports Jack Studios up in Jacksonville. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos is here as well. Uh, did you see this just came out? Jalen Smith. The Cowboys linebacker, what a story, mm-hmm. right? Had to sit basically for two years after that bowl game injury, nerve damage in the knee, goes to the second round, actually gets picked ahead of Miles Jack, who has similar um, injury concerns, not same injury, but injury concerns with his knee, drops him to the second round. And for that reason, I always feel like Jalen Smith of the Cowboys and Miles Jack of the Jaguars have been paralleled. And I yes. think they'll always be weighed against each other. Which one was the better pick? Which one uh, should a team have gone after? Are they both steals? Was one a steal? And i got to tell you, I thought it was risky taking Jalen Smith. Jerry Jones did it anyway. The Cowboys have really, really uh, earned that draft pick because he has paid off in a big-time way. I know it's only been a couple seasons when he's been healthy, but they just gave him an extension, man. They've signed Jalen Smith to an extension. All the people they have to sign in Dallas... Word is they've just signed him to an extension, and that makes me think now, with the Yannick Ngakwe situation the way it is, when do you start thinking about and taking care of Miles Jack? Because Miles Jack has played very well. Both these guys are fantastic stories. I think they've played far better than anybody would have imagined. Mm-hmm. Do remember this, the Miles Jack worry was not necessarily the first three or four years of his career, but everything after with that knee, and that is to be determined. I think the Jaguars' doctors will have to be a part of that conversation, how they feel about Miles Jack. But right now, I would say all signs point to an extension for Miles Jack in the near future as well. First of all, what is Ezekiel Elliott thinking right now, seeing that yeah. Jalen Smith's getting uh, you know, a brand-new paycheck? Zeke uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll cover that later for uh, for Ballin and Fallen. Uh, we will cover that whole comment there. I have some thoughts on that. But uh, you know, getting back to Jalen Smith and everything, I mean, great for him. You know, and you know, when you take a guy in the second round, Brent, all things considered, and it's the same thing with Miles Jack, where you, you can say those guys kind of fell to those spots, but at the same time, you're taking a risk. And I think any time that you draft the second round pick. It's the expectation that he's going to come in, and if he doesn't start right away, he's going to contribute at least the first year and then be a starter by the second year, and you plan to keep him you know, on your team uh, in your franchise for years to come. So all things considered, you know, with the adversity he had overcome, um, 
it's great for him. I've, I've been trying to see how much he's making here off this contract. I haven't seen it yet, but all things considered, great for him. And like, like you brought up with Miles Jack, you know, I mean, we haven't really heard anything on the on the front regarding his knee. So one would assume that everything's fine. But he is starting to come around that timetable now where, you know, the, the big thing out of the combine was the fact that doctors were saying that in, you know, five or six years uh, he could have some knee problems. So it's definitely a risky situation where you pay a guy, you know, this brand new contract and all of a sudden his knee, you know, at any second could, I guess, I don't know what the whole analysis was, but it could kind of, you know, be done uh, playing football. So it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Hey, by the way, am I right about the Jalen Smith thing? I swear I saw this, and now I can't find it. Were we jumping the gun on the Jalen Smith? No. Uh, NBC Sports has, has uh, announced that Jalen Smith has indeed agreed okay. to an extension, but I I just can't find the terms or how much money he's making. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just double-checking. I was like, yeah. I swear I just saw this, but oh, then no, all of a yeah. sudden I couldn't. You're right, but it's weird that they haven't really said the terms yet. I find Yeah, that. well, and then, oh. yeah, sometimes... That's what I'm waiting for uh, the Schefters of the world and everything to get the actual details of it. But listen, I, if you go back a little bit, my, uh, this year now, in the last couple months, Miles Jack, when asked, because Ramsey was talking contract, Yannick Ngakwe talking contract, and of course Miles Jack will be up with a contract extension, uh, hopefully, um, by the end of the year. But he said, hey, I'm not even worried about that. You know, Ramsey had talked about it ever since the middle of last year. And obviously Yannick has been front and center on his because of the holdout and. Uh, this thing has gone into a stalemate. And by the way, on that front, it's still a stalemate. There are no talks going on between Yannick Ngakwe and the Jaguars um, as of very recently, at least, that I've heard. So uh, that is going nowhere in terms of getting him an extension. But then it did bring into play Miles Jack, and he said, hey, I know that's going to wait, and I'm going to have to play this year. Uh, I'm not even concerned about it. But I do wonder, with the stalemate on Yannick Ngakwe, and if it continues to stay there, which it looks like it's going to, do the Jaguars try to get something done a little earlier with Miles Jack? Do they have the wherewithal to do it? Does it make sense to do it? Uh, I, I'm interested to see that. And I don't know if it moves fast. Could it happen as soon as the next couple of weeks? I highly doubt it. I think this is something that would happen maybe. Uh, I feel like some of these things have gotten done even in like early December at times. Guys having a good year. Let's take care of them. Let's get them locked in. We're going to do this anyway in the next couple of months, so let's do it right now. And if Miles has a big year, I could see something like that happening even before the end of the season. No inside info. I'm just kind of guessing that why not, right? If you're going to do it, why not do it yeah. if the guy's having a good year and, and you can do it in November or December? And here's what makes me a little nervous with the whole Miles Jack situation. He's playing that middle linebacker spot, yes, but I feel like with this defense this year, they're going to ask him to do a lot more things, whether it's blitz on third down and all of a sudden you could see his numbers in terms of sacks or interceptions or fumble recoveries go up. And, of course, when those things go up, your price tag goes up. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to Miles Jack you know, signing a new deal before the season starts because one could say with this new defense that they're kind of showing right now that he could have a big year this year. Hey, Auburn makes a QB decision. we got Ballin and Fallen, some Tiger Woods, Zeke who, all on the way on ESPN 690. Oh, Jawan Taylor going to be watching that game, by the way, in Orlando. I hear... Jawan Taylor, Calais Campbell, and others are going to be in Orlando for the Gators and Canes on Saturday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Jags have a scheduled off day. I believe that's an off day for them. This doesn't really make a lot of sense because I thought Friday would be an off day. I think for some bizarre reason, Saturday's an off day. All right? Either way, they said they're going. 
Maybe they have practice earlier today. I don't know. Orlando's not far from Jacksonville, but uh, be interested to see what happens. Uh, Florida-Miami, we'll talk more about it. I want to get into some college football in a bit, uh, and not only Florida-Miami, but also uh, Florida State, because I think the quarterback announcement will come out soon, uh, probably any time uh, in the next few days for uh, in Tallahassee, and I believe it's going to be James Blackman. But I want to uh, play some sound from Kendall Bryles, the new offensive coordinator, about both quarterbacks, your guy, Alex Hornibrook. Uh, Austin Lane. My guy, and, okay. <laughs> the lefty. Careful but I want, with that. I, want to, I, I want to play a little game. We read between the lines. Like, read, what is he really saying here? I like and that. And I think it's crystal clear, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm right on that front because I might just be leaning so heavy uh, toward Blackman. Anyway, we'll have that in a bit. Also, one other college note, uh, if you haven't heard yet, Joey Gatewood from Bartram Trail vying for that quarterback job up at Auburn. Does not get the job. Bo Nix, the much-heralded guy, uh, wins that job for the Tigers. And there was, been, there was a lot of talk over these last few weeks that Gatewood was going to win the job. We've heard a lot of good things from Gatewood. Hadn't heard as much from Nix. And, uh, well, he wins the job. So yeah. what does that mean for Joey Gatewood? Who knows? Uh, how close was he to winning that job? How tight was it? Uh, we'll have to see what that means for the uh, collegiate career of Joey Gatewood uh, at Auburn. And you never know these days, Austin, right? As soon as someone doesn't want a job, see, I'm in the transfer portal. Well, exactly. And there's, you know, nothing against Joey Gatewood, but Bo Nix coming in here, you know, he was the top dual threat quarterback in the country. Uh, uh, this is according to um, a lot of websites like 24-7 Sports. Uh, so, you know, you kind of see that that dual threat type quarterback fitting in with Auburn, you know, um yeah, you know, well, well Gatewood's we'll, that too. He, I mean, is, he definitely but, I mean, is. I that. think this this Bo Nix kid, what they're saying at least, is the fact that I mean, obviously, Brendan, he, he had to win the position, right? He wasn't given the position, so I think going forward, I think they like what Bo Nix does, and I'm curious to see if if Gatewood's going to stick it out this year, or if the transfer portal is going to get called. I'm trying to think of, uh, gosh, I don't, I have it on the tip of my tongue. Uh, played for Florida, played for LSU. Uh, one of the most heralded quarterbacks coming out of high school and really was just eh, okay. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like even Josh Booty had a little bit of this at, at LSU. Bo Nix is kind of like that, where he's much heralded coming out of high school. Now, er, these days, almost everybody seems heralded coming out of high school. Sure. But he's that kind of guy. I think they talked about Bo Nix like that. So it was almost, it, it's hard almost to. To, to not lean that way if it's close because of the hype and everything around uh, a guy like Bo Nix. At least that's my uh, perception of that situation for Auburn. And I'm going to – gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue, man. I was in uh, Louisiana when it was happening. Gator fans, no. Played uh, for a little bit for – anyway, I'll find it out. But okay. let's go balling and falling while we do that. Let's begin with you today. Oh, man. All right, Brent, balling. Man, do I hate giving the St. Louis Cardinals any kind of love, especially when it's against the Milwaukee Brewers, but some things just can't be ignored. At Bush Stadium, uh, Paul DeJong hit a 390-foot home run that hit the Big Mac land sign on the third deck. Even more impressive is the fact that he hit the M in the Big Mac sign and knocked out the light. And even more (laughs) impressive than that is that the ball got stuck and wedged in between that sign, which is like literally like a, a one in a million shot. So he literally hit a home run, hits the M, and gets the ball wedged in the M, and it doesn't pop out. So it's probably still stuck there. One in a million shot. Ball. How about that? I know. Uh, very good. Uh, all right. Hey, how about this for balling? My man, Tiger Woods. You know what I did today on my way down? Hmm. L- listen to a Joe Rogan podcast. 
Nope. Dang. Thought Stop I had by it. Oh, Tiger Woods Restaurant. Be? Oh, I was way off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you I don't, were, hey, I don't know. Had a, but to be, to be fair, though, I didn't know Tiger Woods had a restaurant. Okay. I don't, now, listen, the Busy Bees are close second here. Okay. Okay. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Tiger Woods Restaurant. I stopped by in Jupiter, and uh, we were out that way. We stopped anyway, and it was just down the road. So I said, hey, let's go pop in there. Food is really good. So I'm saying balling for Tiger Woods. You know, a lot okay. of times these guys have their restaurants, and it's like really just the name and not that good. Yeah. You know, it happens all over the country like that. You know, Vince Carter had a, a restaurant in Daytona for a long time. I ate there one time. I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't, like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's since closed down, but it lasted quite a while in the Daytona area. Uh, right off the exit there, as you were getting uh, closer to the track. But uh, Tiger Woods Restaurant, I've heard that he pops in quite a bit. In fact, we asked the waitress, and she said he was here yesterday. So we just missed Tiger by a day. Could have had lunch with him. Could have uh, well, had him on the show as well. Though. Nah, she was, I, I said, okay, listen, i got to do what everybody does and mm-hmm. say, because the kid, uh, kids are with us, they were asking, and uh, they like, all right, was Ty- does Tiger ever come by? She's like, oh, yeah, he's here a lot. And nice. I'd, I'd heard McElroy visits there a lot and goes and eats. Well, she also said, like, Justin Thomas is there quite a bit. And she said probably the most frequent uh, person to, to visit for lunch and dinner is Ricky Fowler. Nice. So they all live down here. Yeah. Uh, she actually also said she, uh, recently she was working and Kid Rock was in there. So nice. It's a uh, pretty good. Uh, I guess if you want to see celebrities, it's probably it's probably zero dress code then if Kid Rock showing up there, yeah. which is cool with me. I'm I Kid yeah. Rock. I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. But I, I was just impressed. The food was good. You know, I figured. Nice. It was, and and you know what else is interesting about it? You know, it's Tiger Woods' place, but it's not like obnoxiously Tiger Woods' place. You okay. know, it's not. It doesn't have like memorabilia everywhere. It's got this little pro shop. You can buy some shirts and hats sure, yeah. if you want. Yeah. And it's got like a couple of pictures on the wall, but it's not littered oh, yeah. with Tiger it's, Woods memorabilia. It's not like an Applebee's. We're just covered in <laughs> Tiger Woods stuff, basically. What by, you're saying. By the way, when are, by the way, Applebee's does a great job promoting local sports. When are we going to get on the wall? That's a good point. Hey, trust me. I owe my entire college career to Applebee's because Murray State was a dry county, and the only place to go out to the bar and go drink was at Applebee's, and <laughs> they, they only stayed open until 11:30. Fact. And then that's you, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a dry county, Brent. People gotta, you know. Oh, yeah. People have to go to church the next morning. But my question to you is, uh, does Phil Mickelson have a restaurant? Oh, that's a good call. That's uh, that's your boy right there, man. It should be called Lefty. That's what I was kind of thinking. Of, yeah. Lefties. Uh, we'll have to look into that. I don't think he does. Okay. I don't think he does. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, all right, what you got for Fallen? Fallen, Jerry Jones, Coos, give me the audio. Or do you just want me to say what happened, Coos? Coos <laughs> <laughs> pass out? I, I don't know. I guess I kind of put him on the spot. It's not like I said. Oh, there we go. Who? Pollard. Not Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> He's got camera. <laughs> all right, that's all we need. Yeah, funny, Jerry, very funny. Um, Zeke, who? Uh, I don't know, the 2018 rushing champion, uh, the guy that finished 10th in rushing in 2017 despite only having played 10 weeks. Uh, I get that Jerry Jones was joking here, but, you know, didn't think that was a joke? The 2018 rushing champion and his agent. So... I get Jerry's trying to be funny. There's cameras there and everything, trying to make a spectacle of it. But let's be honest, man. Ezekiel Elliott's kind of the cog that makes that team run. And if you're going to sit back there and tell jokes, good luck with that. That's all I'm saying. So following Jerry Jones, uh, you're the owner, man, and I get it. You're you have the personality, and you're you know you're Mr. Dallas Cowboys. But um, let's be a little more professional here. 
Ah, uh, come on. Why can't he say anything he wants? He's well, the good. owner. Well, if player okay. said that, if, if, if Zeke said Jerry who, everybody would have laughed and nobody would have said anything about it. No, and I, hey, I understand that, Brent. You can say whatever you want. You can be funny. But I'm just saying uh, Elliot didn't find that very funny at all, neither did his agent. And I feel like when you're talking contract negotiations, when you're trying to get Ezekiel Elliott back on that team, I feel like the last thing you want to do is upset him. Hey, by the way, I came to me. Brock Berlin was the guy I was thinking ah, of. Ah, okay. So he's out of Shreveport, Louisiana, and that was during the time when I was in Louisiana. That was one my first job in the business, and he was woof coming out, man, unbelievable. Uh, how much hype he got, especially for that time frame. Now, like I said, everybody gets hype. But he went to Florida, and I think the reason I thought it was LSU-related, because I think people in LSU were so disappointed he didn't go to LSU, if I remember correctly. But... Uh, Obviously, he goes to Florida. He transferred to Miami. You know what I did not know about Brock Berlin, though, now that I'm looking it up? He played for the Miami Dolphins, Dallas Cowboys, St. Louis Rams, and the Detroit Lions. He played four years in the NFL and had no idea wow. that he did that. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I don't – Brock Berlin was so big coming out of high school, I, he, he obviously never lived up to it. He was okay, but he never lived up to, uh, to all that hype. My fallen – did you see this on uh, Jaguars' Twitter – where Leonard Fournette gave an Eagles fan a jersey. <laughs> this is my pump your brakes, but let's talk about it, yeah. Uh, okay. This is fantastic. Well, I'll, no, I'll awesome. just hit it quick. Oh, no, it's all good, man. Let's talk about it. I have plenty of other categories we can go to, so it's good. Let's talk about it. So he gives the guy a, a jersey, and <laughs> Leonard's awesome at this stuff. It's usually with the kids. He gives, like, a kid a cleat, like, every day. Yes. And it's a story I'm actually working on uh, as we get closer to the season. But cool. I, he gives him the jersey, and... I think he even says in the video, like, you better rep that jersey now. And everybody's convinced it's going to be on eBay. And I think I saw today it sold on eBay for $1,500, or was there an update to that? I don't, but I think that's what I uh, it, saw. It was, it was on sale for $1,500. I'm not sure where like the, the, the party was selling it from. But could you be any more specific about the merchandise that you're selling? I got this jersey from Leonard Fournette like a couple days ago at the game, and now he's selling it. Like, yeah, way to be super specific and call yourself out, sir. You know, Kalei... Uh, retweeted something there, and he said something like, "Hey, see, we're trying to, when we try to do stuff, these guys ruin it." Something to that degree. Yeah, I, I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not quoting uh, Calais there. And I think he's right. I think that's why athletes in the last uh, really decade, couple of decades, have become so apprehensive about signing things. Uh, you know, the golf golfers do it all the time at the Players Championship. They mm-hmm. will not sign some stuff. And they really try to point toward the kids instead of the adults because they think the adults are going to put it on eBay, and they're probably right. So um, I get the frustration from the player, especially if they're trying to do something nice. And so many people in that situation would like to hang that jersey up in their in their man cave, you know, sure. or give it to their kid. Uh, so it was kind of I, I don't like the fact this guy did it. It comes with the territory and. I would say at least in this day and age uh, of, of capitalism, the guy maybe got 1500 bucks out of it. Well, but yeah, but, and, and here's what I think sucks, though, Brent, is the fact that like Leonard Fournette literally gave the guy the shirt off his back, you know, because yeah. he didn't have a jersey, and I guess he, he tried to recruit the, the, that guy as a fan. And it sucks that Fournette did that, gives the guy the jersey out of goodwill, um, assuming that the guy would hang on to it, you know, or wear it to Jaguars games. And then he turns around and sells it because it sucks from the fact that it hurts other Jaguars fans. You know, like there's diehard Jaguars fans out there that would have loved that jersey, that would have received that jersey and worn it with pride the entire season. And unfortunately, Leonard Fournette tried to be nice, show some kindness out of his 
heart, gives it to somebody who just wants to make a quick buck off it. And in turn, that kind of hurts the, the diehard Jaguars fans. So it kind of sucks from that perspective. It does, and my message to the guys in the Jaguars locker room is: don't stop doing that kind of no, stuff. No, no, you know, don't get not. soured on a guy doing that. That's yeah. maybe nine out of ten people I think would have kept it, you know, and framed yeah. it, and yeah. and maybe even try to get it autographed down the road or something. But for and tell that story. See, that's the fun part. I think a member of Billy is you get of to tell that story ten years from now. It's like, hey, Leonard Fournette gave me this. Well, that guy no longer has the story. He's got fifteen hundred bucks, but that will be gone in a couple of months anyway, or a couple of weeks, or however the guy spends it. Mm-hmm. So I think. Uh, my message to the Calaises and the Len- don't stop doing it. I mean, they do a lot of cool things with the kids and giving away stuff, and it means a lot to people, yeah. I think, when they get those. So hopefully that doesn't sour uh, a guy like uh, Leonard Fournette. No, without a doubt. More, uh, things like that. The, 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 there's always going to be the outliers out there, you know, that kind of take something and just it's ruin it. But, you know, those are small outliers. And I think, uh, like you said, Brent, the, the high percentage of Jaguars fans out there would have loved to have that jersey. So, yeah, I agree. Don't stop doing that stuff. I think it's great uh, for the team. It's great for the franchise. And it's just great to be, uh, you know, in the city of Jacksonville because of that. Coos, uh, Phil Mickelson does have a restaurant? Oh, he owns a franchise, apparently. Hooters? He owns rights to five guys. Gamblers? Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Five guys, Uh, I like it. All right. He he owns five guys. So, So he owns like a bunch of them, probably, like Manning owned... You know, was involved yeah, with that's Papa what, John's and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. It just says that he owns rights to a bunch of them uh, around the country. So, can't right. with well, five that, guys. That's, but that's still, to me, that's a little different, right? I mean, Tiger's got his own place. Yeah, not true. One day, maybe we'll do a restaurant. Me the and show you? gets really big. Yeah. Me and you are gonna go halfsies? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why not? What's gonna be on the I, menu? We do we doing steakhouse I, or what? By the hey, by the way, we'll put the it on your credit card. Ramen. Say we'll what? put it on your credit card. Oh, yeah, man, go ahead and charge it. Well, there, there's a $500 <laughs> limit until I pay my bills like the first three or four months. But I promise I'll pay those bills, and I'll get my limit raised up a little bit for this restaurant. Guy played in the NFL. He's got a $500 limit on his credit Dude, card. Dude, it's my first credit card. They said I have to show good faith or something like that. I don't know. Relax. Uh, hey, I got a game for you. Who's going to win the Florida State quarterback job? <laughs> I've got evidence. You have to decide. It's coming up next on ESPN 690. Yeah, right now, Tate and Nikosi are battling out to be our number two quarterback. And we just felt like after we got through last Friday that we had not, you know, as we were really getting to the game plan stuff for the opener, uh, to really see which of the two guys could really grasp that. So Tate is still, to to that point, he he may be our second quarterback, so it's hard to have him play another position when he may be our our next guy in, you know, God forbid if something were to happen to Jaron. So to me right now, that's really the battle that's going on. Well, there's Manny Diaz, the uh, Canes head coach, talking about the QB situation and the backup situation. What do you do with Tate Martell now? He's sticking around. I guess that's a good sign. There's talk about moving him out to wide receiver, but if he is the backup guy, they want him ready to go for Jaron Williams, who won that job, and a guy who's just got three career passing attempts. Uh, So, interesting situation. Martell is an incredible athlete. Can he make that move? Can they utilize him in other ways? Uh, but the QB position and that backup QB position, considering you have such an unknown, you might need the depth at the QB position uh, for Miami. They'll play the Florida Gators coming up Saturday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN. More Gator Canes talk a little bit today and more throughout the rest of the week. There's a lot to get to and digest there as we get to Saturday in the college Little Lifter in 2019. Little Lifter, I love to say it. I first heard it down in Louisiana, and I've absolutely stolen it. I know a lot of people have said it, but it was the first time I'd ever heard it. Uh, 
uh, gosh, what's his name, too? I'm losing everybody's names today, but play-by-play guy for LSU, uh, legendary one down there. And he uh, he would always say, it's the season lid lifter. I love that. <laughs> so I like to use that word. Uh Something from Paul Feinbaum, quote, uh, in practice, Joey Gatewood was really struggling to move the ball. Uh, meanwhile, Bo Nix was leading multiple scoring drives every scrimmage. So there you go. Practice proving the point that Bo Nix was the guy. That, according to uh, uh, on the Feinbaum show earlier today from Brandon Marcello, who uh, is an editor at Auburn 247. So uh, that's maybe a little more insight that that. Gatewood of recent was struggling in practice. The former Bartram Trail star uh, loses the bid to get the starting quarterback spot at Auburn. Okay, so now let's go to Florida State. Let's go to Tallahassee. I was there on Sunday. I don't really know how much of a competition this is. I think it's really hard for a guy like Alex Hornibrook to come in from Wisconsin. Um, I think he's a little bit limited to begin with. And to beat out an incumbent like James Blackman, who's been on campus for a couple of years, very well liked. So I really believe that James Blackman will be the guy. For whatever reason, Willie Taggart is yet to name a starting quarterback. It might be a little gamesmanship, keep Boise State guessing a little bit, take away some of their preparation time on just one of the quarterbacks, uh, the more they keep them guessing. I don't know what you feel, uh, Austin, but you know Horny Brook. You watched him quite a bit at Wisconsin would you be surprised if he's a guy that can come in and win that job? Yeah, I would be downright shocked. Um, downright shocked. I mean, people want to say that, you know, Alex Hornerbrook chose to, uh, chose to leave Wisconsin. But at the end of the day, I mean, you ask any Wisconsin Badger fan out there, or I'm sure if you could ask the team and they're candid about it, they would say that he, they kind of kicked him out of the University of Wisconsin just because he didn't live up to the hype. Um, it's funny, too, because if you look at his numbers, his numbers aren't that bad. It's just the fact that in, in the big games, when the games mattered, he would just go on these spans. He would have these mental lapses where, you know, he would throw three picks in, in the same game or just throw this horrible incompletions. And especially coming from a Wisconsin program where, listen, the, they don't ask the quarterback to do a lot of crazy things. When you have one of the best run games uh, in college football, when you have one of the best offensive lines in college football, I think, in my opinion, it makes it pretty easy to be a quarterback because then you can rely on the play action a lot. You have time in the pocket. And all I have to do is just you know make all those passes. And uh, for the most part, Alex Hornerbrook did not do that. And when he did, he wasn't consistent with it. Well, keep in mind, the other guys is going, Hornerbrook came in in the summer. So from an identity standpoint, to come in that late, it's really a hard thing to do anyway, unless you're ultra-talented or they're just empty at the quarterback spot and they just need somebody to play. The other guy who got, you know, they, they, uh, the Jordan Tra- Travis transfer from Louisville, he got the waiver to play. He's been there, but he was unable to go in the spring. It just doesn't add up that James Blackman won't be the guy. I mean, I'd just be stunned with the experience, how well-respected he is, and he won't be the guy. But here it is. We're playing the game right now. Okay? Let's play. I'm going to play you, or actually, Kuz is going to play you, thankfully, <laughs> for he's participating. Uh, but we're going, we talked to Kendall Bryles. And he was asked about James Blackman, the QB, and Alex Hornibrook, the QB, and what they bring to the table. So I want to digest these things first, not go back-to-back. Let's first hear about James Blackman and what Kendall Bryles, the new offensive coordinator of Florida State, had to say about his skill set and his leadership. He has been through a lot. Um, you know, he's put in the fire early as a, as a skinny freshman year old, you know, and, uh, and got beat up 
you know, got beat up. So those things are, are tough to, to deal with as a as a 18 year old true freshman, um, you know, let alone a fifth year senior. And uh, you know, I, y'all know James. You know, James is an unbelievable kid. Love James, his passion, um, his competitiveness, his belief in himself. Um, so James is right where he needs to be, and he's uh, he's hungry, and um, he wants to eat. James is. Um, you know, the way he plays the game, he plays it a little bit different than everybody else. You know, he, he does have that competitive passion, and he is a great leader. Um, his arm talent is really good. His accuracy is better. Um, so I like that about him. And then he's a good decision maker. Um, and there's been some times when he's been a little loose with the ball, and we've addressed that. Um, and that's, that's, the main, that's the main thing. I tell those guys all the time, the number one ability you can have as a quarterback is predictability. And i got to know where that football should be going. And, um, and he's got to be on the same page as, as us offensively. So um, I think he does have great ability. He's not the best runner in the world. He's not the strongest arm in the world. But when you put everything together, he's, he's a dang good quarterback. <laughs> All right, so there it is. That's Kendall Bryles. A little bit on the character, a little bit on the football player. Sure. And, again, super well-respected, has been through a lot of stuff. What, what's your takeaway, man? Read between the lines, Kendall Bryles on James Blackman. So it's funny. With James Blackman, you know, he was very um, – he gave him some compliments. But then also I found it interesting where he talked about being on the same page, you know. And if he gets on the same page as everybody else, then they'll be successful that's kind of telling to me a little bit because the biggest thing you want out of a quarterback is to number one be confident be a winner but also you know you have to be on the same page or else that's where things can kind of get miscued and that's where you kind of have your downfall so that the the whole thing of saying that he has to be on the same page a little better uh kind of raised a little red flag up to me well not only that i thought if you want to pull that part out reading between the lines we're trying to translate here who could be the starting qb from what kendall brass said I think he also said, hang on to the football, and all yeah. coaches want that to happen with their QB, and that's a red flag if they don't. And it's also, he said, like, he plays the quarterback position differently, which means, and I think this is crystal clear anyway, but Florida State doesn't necessarily have the guy on campus, the style quarterback that they want to have. No. So, you know, they're, they're trying to fit a. How do you say this? The square to, peg to, into a round hole? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I, you, you, a little bit of that is going on in Tallahassee, and I think has been under Willie Taggart the last couple of years. All right, that's the James Blackman side. When we come back, we've got to take a quick time out, and when we come back, we'll play the Alex Hornibrook thoughts from Kendall Bryles. And what do you think? Does he have a shot at that starting quarterback job, or uh-uh? That's next on ESPN 690+. Plus. Some news out of the cinematic world that I will need help interpreting. Coming up. All right. Hey, welcome back. Brent Morneau in South Florida. Fort Lauderdale. Marriott Beach Harbor Resort in South Florida. My goodness, Kuz, that music seems loud. Is it just me? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it, it seems normal to me. Yeah, I think I turned my headphones up. <laughs> Sorry, because just called you out on that. Really, my bad operator error. Sounds like a Brent problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort, you ever been down here? It's another place you should go on your way to the Keys, Austin. I'm just going to make a list of all the places that you're at that are awesome that I haven't been to yet. I just want to make it clear that I am paying to stay. And uh, But this seriously is like my favorite hotel. What's up, man? You think the IRS is listening or something or what? 
No, I am, but I'm, okay. I'm just saying that's. Uh, I'm, yeah. they, I'm not doing this because they're like giving me a night. Oh, I got you. I, I'm just saying it's a uh, it's a great place. Yeah. I mean, look at behind me. Yeah, let's. I'll go back to the video again. Sorry, I, I don't. It, you should be. It's weird you having be watching like the, me all the time. Well, it's kind of weird, isn't it? But <laughs> but I'll go back to it in a second, and uh, I will my, analyze your surroundings. My I just changed the, the camera angle because on the request of Miami Five, Jimmy J. Keynes says, Brent, you need to get. In front of the palm trees, or out, I don't know what he tried to say here, out in front of the palm trees, looks like your hair is sticking straight up. Uh-oh. Shots <laughs> I, had the palm, I had the palm tree coming right out of my head, I think. Okay. So uh, our video guys, Stuart and Marcel and uh, everybody else in the newsroom probably wouldn't like that either. Oh, yeah, that there you bad are. bad framing. Okay. Yeah, I, I see you. So then the ocean's right behind you. Looking good. Oh, yeah. Looking good, so uh, or trying to. Anyway, okay, let's get back to the Florida State situation. By the way, are we winning over Florida State fans or what? Right. I mean, how much Knowles talk can we have? Back-to-back days, and you'll have more of it, because I have a lot of interviews from Tallahassee. I think we're the only radio or TV station in town. Heck, even maybe the newspaper. I didn't see anybody unless they had a uh, freelancer out there uh, in Tallahassee on Sunday. So we really have a lot of content. And I'll mm-hmm. sprinkle it through the next couple of weeks, Knowles fans. But before they named the starting quarterback, I wanted to talk more about FSU's quarterback situation. I think a word could come any day. Maybe Taggart waits until Monday. We just gave you evidence from Kendall Bryles, what he had to say about James Blackman. And a lot of positive things. Some red flags, if you think like I do, that Blackman's no doubt going to be the starting QB. One was take care of the football. Two was he's a different style quarterback. And what was the reasoning you had, Austin? Uh, Being on the same page. Same page, yeah, okay. So, again, I think that kind of goes to a little different quarterback, right? I mean, I I wonder if they have – it's tough right now, I think, for Taggart and Bryles because I don't know if they have the exact style guy that they want at that position. And so it's not the perfect fit for them, and they're trying to make – changes based on skill sets of the guys that they do have on the roster, which is part of being a coach. Anyway, Alex Hornibrook comes in in the summer from Wisconsin, transfers in, grad transfer, and now I want you to hear Kendall Bryles talk about uh, Alex Hornibrook, and let's see if you think he has a better chance based off the words and how we translate them from the offensive coordinator. Alex is, you know, he's a guy who's, he's been through it, you know, he's a vet. Um, and you, you love having those older guys around. Um, he's seen it. He's played a lot of games. Um, he's, he's gone through the ups and downs of being a starting quarterback, all those things. And then um, I've been really impressed with his knowledge, you know, coming in here and not having the spring that the other guys did and uh, being able to learn and retain. Um, he is a, he's a really smart kid, as y'all have, I'm sure you've gotten to meet him. He's, um, he's a really smart kid. Whatever he does, he's going to be successful uh, in life in general. And, um, and he's, got, he's got some playmaking ability about him. He runs a little bit better than you'd give him credit. And uh, it's a little different for me having a southpaw out there. You know, I'm not used to that. I've got to train my brain around him sometimes. But uh, uh, I, I like the way he's played the game, and he's done a good job um, with the team. The team really respects him. And, and that's tough, you know, coming into an environment where you got a guy like James who everybody loves. And uh, he's worked himself into to everybody really respecting him. And, and he's done it by work. That's it. And uh, he's put in the time. And um, I'm really pleased with him and where he's at. <laughs> oh, boy. First, I want your thoughts. Uh, okay, so when this when this interview started out, I thought it was going to be like the most generic thing of all time because he's like, yeah, you know, Alex, uh, you know, he's a, he's a quarterback and um, he puts on the helmet, you know, and he goes on the field. So like, I thought that's like where it was going. 
Um, from what I took from it, a couple things. Number one, you didn't really hear a lot of the attributes that he brings in a positive. I mean, you in a positive manner. You heard that, yeah, he's a better athlete than he's given credit for. Um, we didn't really hear much about his arm at all, from what I can remember. And I think the big telling thing to me is the fact that he stated, yeah, you know, the team's really starting to respect Alex Hornerbrook. Um, and that's a hard thing to do, especially when they love James Blackman. So if you were to pick your starting quarterback and you think of your team in mind, would you pick the guy that the team loves and obviously would respect too in James Blackman, or do you take the guy that the team just seems to respect? Yeah, it kind of goes for that point, Austin. It kind of goes back to what we were saying a little bit about Nick Foles. Yeah. If you respect that position, you know, um, and, and I mean a genuine way, not just kind of a, hey, i got to respect that position way, then there is something to be said. Guys want to play for you. And I, I think, you know, a guy like James Blackman, he bleeds garnet and gold, man. And um, I think that's uh, important to the other people. They see that. They see the work he's been through. They see what he's been through they, with different coordinators, different coaches, and – not great offensive line, all those things. But here's my takeaway on the Horny Brook. It was one line. It was, he said, Bryle says, that guy's going to be good, successful in anything he does in life. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he just <laughs> said that girl has a good personality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, all, that's what he said. Yeah. I mean, that, that was essentially what he said right there. I stopped listening almost. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, that's not rave reviews for Alex Hornybrook. Now, listen. I'm interpreting. We're all yeah, playing that game. That's yeah. what this game was. It was a little translation game. And the other part of this, could Bryles be slow playing the Hornybrook front? You know, And that's why he didn't want to come out and say too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I doubt yeah. it. I just doubt it. Again, I believe James Blackman's going to be the quarterback uh, in Tallahassee. And uh, we'll find out what it happens. I think it will happen by Monday. I think the the public will know uh, if it doesn't happen beforehand. But I'm a little surprised it already hasn't happened, uh, given the situation, given how long Blackman's been on campus, and maybe the fact that they are delaying this. If there's any real genuine nature to it still being a battle, is a knock on Blackman, and it would, because he should have by now separated himself. Yeah. Uh, but I do think they're just keeping this under wraps. Well, and I guess I understand that, Brent. There's a little bit of gamesmanship there. But do you think Boise State's really, like, waiting back right now, thinking, like, with bated breath, oh, man, is it going to be Hornerbrook or is it going to be Blackman? Like, I'm sure they're 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 in practice right now watching some old-school old Alex Hornerbrook film and then watching the James Blackman film. No, I think the writing's on the wall. And I'm sure Boise State would approach this the same way, where James Blackman is expected to be the starter, Hornerbrook will be the backup, and when the, when they face off in Jacksonville, uh, the, the first week in college football, one's going to expect that they're going to be ready to play James Blackman. One big difference from a, a scheme, uh, or preparation, I should say, not scheme, preparation standpoint, one guy's a lefty, one guy's a righty. I mean, that's a little different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Uh, see, in terms of if they're super mobile, then yes. But I've seen Hornerbrook plays not necessarily the most mobile guy. So I don't I think from that perspective, you know, I mean, I guess if you're a corner, yeah, the ball is going to come at you different than a righty would throw. But I don't think it's that big of a difference, honestly. All right, uh, that's your Florida State talk for now. We'll get back to the Jags and the NFL, Baker Mayfield and more. Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, what D.D. Westbrook had to say today. All next on ESPN 690.
Uh, I got a lot of catching up to do. Starting with the playbook. Um, it's a lot of work as far as just difficulty as far as just being out there and everything as far as the verbiage. Um, Nick is uh, very comfortable. Um, I'll see him out there changing plays and things like that, so i got to get accommodated. And on top of my things, just to be out there. As far as the catching, it'll come. I'm not too much worried about that. That's Marquise Lee talking about getting back in the fold with the Jaguars offense. Brent Martineau here in Fort Lauderdale, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort. Hang out before the Jaguars game. I came down a day early, snuck away. Not a bad spot. Uh, my favorite place, thanks for the hospitality. Um, my favorite place from a hotel standpoint. My favorite place is back in Jacksonville. But I like this, too. Uh, thanks for the hospitality to the folks here at uh, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort. Um, here the next couple of days. Jaguars will arrive tomorrow down this way. And then, of course, a football game on Thursday night between the Jags and the Dolphins. That one on nationally, national television on Fox 30. We'll have a pregame show 7 until 8 o'clock on Fox 30. So one-hour pregame before preseason game number three. And it's a big one because the starters will play. Marquise Lee will not play. There are some other guys like Jeff Swaim who will not play. The starting offensive line scheduled to play in this football game against the Miami Dolphins, which means Nick Foles will play. How long will they all go? We'll see. But we will get a look at Nick Foles, this offense under John Filippo. And I thought it was interesting as we welcome Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios. Marquise Lee talking about the playbook. And when I first heard that, Austin, I was like, wait a minute. Marquise Lee, he's been out. He should be studying the yeah. playbook. He should know the playbook. I mean, he's not that he hasn't had anything to do. He's been rehabbing. Uh, I get it. But he should at least know that. I think you have to take out, uh, put the context in that. And I think what he meant is I need to put what I have in my mind and what I see in a book out on the field and start training my body to do that stuff. Is, is that what you took yeah, out of that? Yeah, exactly. Like, listen, there's no way that he's been out and hasn't been through the playbook, hasn't sat in meetings and gone over that new offensive scheme. There's just no way that hasn't happened uh, because every thought is that he's coming back, um, if not by week one, a couple weeks later. So, yeah, uh, he's he's taking the, the reps mentally, but it's about establishing those reps physically now. You know, and that's two <laughs> different things. It's one thing to just to go, go through your playbook, memorize things, but to actually be on the field to actually go through all the motions and all the nuances and things like that the only way to do that is to actually get your reps in practice so yeah i can see where he's coming from there yeah that, but it wasn't a little bit alarming at first it's like wait a minute what is he talking about Playboy. yeah yeah it, it mean, was uh, it's not like john Filippo got here last week no for sure it, it could definitely be uh you, you can't be taken back by it the real question though thursday brent and this is the big news everyone wants to talk about here which i have to know this is a nationally televised game. Can you give us a pre- preview of the ensemble that you're going to be rocking as far as your suit's concerned? Because the world will be watching you, Brent, on Thursday. Well, I will have a gray suit on okay. on Thursday night, but okay. I will not be on the sidelines. I don't, oh. I'm don't. i not good enough for that. Remember for the real? guy yesterday that jumped in and said, uh, I, I read the tweet from over the weekend when I tweeted about Miami and UCF in Florida, and he said, <laughs> this is why you're not in a big market. Yeah. This is why you can't be in a big market because well, you say stupid things like this. Which, well, I mean, yeah. He's right. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously right. They don't want me on the national oh, broadcast. So, the, so then it's like, okay, I guess I'm a it's little like confused the, then. So it's, it's, like, well, it's, it's like the national. It's not Joe Buck. And, and yeah. honestly, I don't even know who's calling the game. Yeah. But it's like the national guys. It's guys that you would see on Sunday on Fox. Oh, okay. Like it, I mean, it could be like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Pam Oliver, you know? Gotcha. Um, okay. But that's what I mean by a national broadcast, because they want their reps, too. So often, uh, 
uh, they'll have some of the national folks. So it's not even locally produced. This one's the national deal. Okay. Uh, so we don't do those, unfortunately. I mean, someday maybe I'll make it to the big time. Man. Oh, for sure, and, man. And Absolutely. then the suit will really matter. Yes, sir. Okay, sorry about that. I was kind of but, confused, I guess, how that whole thing works. But No problem. Yeah. Uh, we all got to be humbled sometimes. <laughs> um, don't, let the twi- don't let the Twitter hate get to you, Brent. <laughs> don't let it affect hey, you. Uh, we're going to get into Baker Mayfield, also uh, what D.D. Westbrook had to say about uh, Nick Foles and Blake Bortles, and also about uh, my conversation with A.J. Boye coming up. But first... How about a little South Florida twist to the happy hour horde? Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. A uh, 94 rating for Vita de Louis recently. Uh, pretty cool stuff happening with Vita de Louis. They're going out west in September. They continue to expand into the Tampa area as well. And uh, it's a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in Tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Make sure to drink responsibly. All right, guys, before I get to the football stuff, what does this mean? Spider-Man out of the MCU. Marvel and Sony uh, can't reach deal. Is this big news? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty huge. I wish this would have been brought to my attention before the show started. Now now I'm emotional. Now I can't focus on what I need to do for the show. So basically what that means is, and where are you seeing this, Brent? This isn't fake news or anything like that? No, no, I saw it earlier, like a half hour ago, and now I just looked it up again. It's real. Okay. So what they're saying is... I mean, how do I know this stuff and you guys don't? I mean, will you guys get on the ball? First of all, I was at the stadium doing interviews, Brent, so you're welcome, number one. Number two, um, yeah, I'm a little taken back right now because I'm about to cry. So with Spider-Man, so Spider-Man is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, MCU. MCU. (laughs) Yes, and what that means is, like, you know, with the Avengers and everything, they're, they're all part of the, the, of the, the same brand as well with Marvel. And okay. I guess what you're saying is that since Sony, so you're saying Sony didn't come to an, an agreement? Uh, Sony and Marvel didn't come to an agreement. Yeah, so Sony has owned the rights for Spider-Man for a while, hence why there is, like, Ten Spider-Man movies by themselves. It seemed like, um, you know, there's the ones with Tobey Maguire, which are absolute trash. There's a nice Kuz, sticker right Kuz there. Kuz will yeah, tell no, you yeah. differently, but this isn't Kuz's show, so you just push the buttons and let me talk. So Kuz will tell you that <laughs> Tobey Maguire is the real Spider-Man. Yada yada yada. Um, there's a few different Spider-Mans as well, but basically, Sony owned the rights to to Spider-Man, and then they agreed to have Spider-Man in the Avengers movies, and then they made two solo ones of the brand new ones. And now, I guess what they're saying is the fact that. Sony wants more money, and the Marvel Universe isn't paying for it, so it might be the end of Spider-Man, at least from the from Marvel. Now Sony can still release movies, but thought to be different as well. Ah, that's so. I mean, this could be the end of Spider-Man as we know it. 
Uh, you know, I would say pump the brakes a little bit. I'm sure they'll eventually um, work out something here. They, they, they always do. Like, they're not just going to not have Spider-Man movies Seems anymore. Seems like a Tampa Bay Rays move. Like, hey, we're just going to go to two <laughs> yeah, places. Yeah, like to and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I kind of was going to liken it to when I had to leave the competitive station in town. Okay. Just but couldn't then, come to an agreement. But, but, but I'll tell you what, though, Brent. Uh, I'm like you. <laughs> I'm trying to What's a bigger story? Well, really? I know. Well, I'm trying to phrase this so I don't offend anybody. So, like Spider-Man leaving the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if he was to do that and go to a new show, it would be a smaller show than what he came from. But we all know that our goal is to be the biggest show in the world, Brent. Yeah, true. So it's a little different, if you know what I'm saying. But I did leave a lot of Marvel characters, is my point. <laughs> Fair enough. And you, and you, and you joined uh, some more characters. And I'm not we're sure doing our Marvel own thing. Or not. We're doing yeah. our own Sony thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? Maybe we're not even Sony, Brett. Maybe we're just like on Amazon Prime or Netflix, something like that. You know, like we're different. Yeah. Although people are still watching my Sony headphones right now. Brennan, we've been over that, man. Those headphones are far, far too small for me. (laughs) I I don't know how you use those things. All right. Hey, John Reed uh, from the Florida Times Union out of the uh, Jags locker room today talking to D.D. Westbrook. Quote, nothing against Blake Bortles at all. Blake is a great friend of mine. But to be out there with Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP quarterback, obviously that's what we've been lacking. Hmm. Strong words, but truth, right? I mean, first of all, they have been lacking. They don't have a Super Bowl MVP. They haven't had that here. <laughs> yeah. Haven't had a Super Bowl winning quarterback here. We know that. So, uh what did he mean by that, do you think? As I read that to you, uh, and, and again, we can always preface with, uh, he, he said it. He tries. It's, I think these guys are in a tough spot sometimes. Any time you say something nice about Nick Foles, it means you're knocking Blake Bortles. He tried to uh, kind of cushion that a little bit by saying, hey, Blake's a great friend of mine, but mm-hmm. we haven't had a guy like this. And he's it's, it's right. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, it's true. I mean, it's fact. Haven't had a 30-year-old quarterback. Haven't had a guy with an MVP. Haven't had a guy that had raised the Lombardi. Haven't had a guy with the experiences and the resume of a Nick Foles, which means, in my opinion, you haven't had the guy with the presence of Nick Foles. And mm-hmm. now we'll see if all that translates to the field. Isn't that what D.D. Westbrook's saying? Yeah, you know, and listen, I, I didn't cover Blake Bortles at all. I was here for a short amount of time when he first came in, and I was on my way out. Um, you know, I, I spoke with him several times, and... Like like I've always said, Brent, there is a double standard in terms of the quarterback, whether if it's if you're out in public, whether it's how you act in society, there's just always going to be that double standard, right, wrong, or indifferent. And I think as part as that double standard is concerned is I think if you're like, you know, kind of a laid back type of dude, just a people person, um, you know, that could that could kind of cost you a little bit in the quarterback position because the quarterback, you're the, you're the general, you have to hold people accountable, um, you have to be the first one there uh, in the morning, the last one to leave at night, not saying that Blake Portals wasn't really that guy, but I uh, I think that when you interviewed people last year, even uh, no one was saying, you know, well Blake Portals is doing great in practice, he's making us better on defense, things like that. I don't think you really heard that this much. It's like you said, um, it was almost like we have to have Blake. Uh, we have to have Blake. I almost said Blake Gabbert. We have to have Blake. Uh, Bortles back and when you have to keep on saying that it's almost like I don't want to say he's a liability but it's almost like you have to defend the guy and instead of you know having him raise you up you almost have to drag him along with you now and I think with Nick Foles now you have a guy in that locker room who can raise you up who um who can bring out the best in somebody whether it's on the field or just in the locker room in terms of his leadership and it's like we talked about earlier today Brent the, the leadership qualities 
qualities are fantastic. Every, every guy I talk to in that locker room um, goes on and on about Foles, of how great of a leader he is and how great of a person he is, and that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, the, the NFL and how well you do and how long your job lasts is predicated on one thing, and that's wins. And if Foles can take that kind of mentality, what he's doing with his leadership, and turn that into wins, well, then you have something special there. How much better is Nick Foles at the quarterback position than Blake Bortles? And to put it in context, I think the best way to do it, and maybe it's not, but I'm going to try it, is to say if you could redraft the quarterback position and Foles is on the board and Bortles is on the board, where would you draft them? Knowing what what I know about both guys right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm it's pretty it, tough, right? Yeah, well, it, it's a little tough, but because like, some people are going to go over the board and they'll be like, "Well, uh, uh, Blake would be an undrafted, yeah, uh, yeah, undrafted. He wouldn't be drafted." No, and I, yeah. I just don't think that's true. I, I do think Blake accomplished some things in the NFL that uh, get swept under the rug too, and people say, "Yeah, well, he had a lot of help, but he got lucky and all this stuff." That's fine, but he did. So, and so I yeah. would say, listen, is Blake is Blake a fourth round quarterback investment, even though he was a top three pick? And is Nick Foles, who I think was a second round, was was Foles a second round pick? Uh, let me check that out quick. So long ago, he might have been a fourth round pick. Um, third third round pick, Nick Foles. Uh, yep. I, I was sooner or later going to get there. 2012. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he's a third round pick. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a top ten caliber quarterback pick, but is he a mid first round to late first round pick? given how things have transpired, yeah. or is he more like a third-round pick, second-round pick? So how do you relate it to Blake? Like, I think I would say, given their careers, I would say Blake's probably more of a fourth-round pick, and you got a good amount out of him for a fourth-round pick. And I would say Foles, who was drafted third, is now when you're at Super Bowl, is more like the 22nd pick in the draft than he did what he was supposed to do. Now, the consistency and the full resume has not been there through his entire career, but when you put that Lombardi trophy down and Super Bowl MVP and some of the highlights he's had these last couple of years and 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, I think to me that slides him into the middle to, to maybe the, the late end of the first round. So, yeah, I'm going to go Foles as a first-round pick and I'll go Bortles as maybe a fourth or fifth-round pick. And the biggest difference is this. And I'll take you back. I think it was 2012 or 2013. No, I'm sorry. It was later than that. I think it was 2014, that season. Or Yeah. And, um, you know, Brent, I've, I've always watched the Jaguars games, and I've only really – and I've, I've been a fan, right? But I've only really been a fanatic once. I've only – um, stood up in front of my TV, on the couch, sitting with my family, and literally just cussed at the television um, to the point where my wife was wondering who this person was in front of her. <laughs> and my son was saying, Dad, I said a no word. And I had explained to him that I got a little fired up, and that's not how we talk in the Lane household. Okay? There was one point where I did that, and that was when Blake Bortles threw his second uh, pick six, I think, in two games against the Houston Texans. And my point is this. Nick Foles isn't really going to lose you any games. Nick Foles is going to keep you in games, and he has the ability, like we've seen in 2017, he has the ability to win you games. He has the ability to put the team on his back, um, carry you to the promised land, and be a Super Bowl MVP. Blake Bortles, on the other hand, has the ability to lose you games. He has the ability to throw those pick sixes, to create those turnovers, and 
when when all things are considered, that's the biggest thing. This is uh this is a turnover driven league. If you don't turn the ball over, and that's like I always say, Brent, if you run the ball, you stop the run, and you know what? Let's add phase three to that now. And if you don't turn the ball over, you always have the opportunity to win. And the problem with Blake Bortles was the turnover. So that's why he's like a fourth or fifth round pick to me, and Nick Foles is a first round pick. Yeah, and I'm trying to think through the fourth and fifth round picks. I mean, you got a guy like Dak Prescott, right, who's obviously outperformed his fourth round pick. Uh you know, don't give me the Tom Brady six-round pick. That is such an outlier that it doesn't even – Tom Brady doesn't make sense in any way. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I think, can be up there. I think Kirk Cousins okay. like a third. I can't remember. Let me check that out quick. No, I think he was fourth. Okay. Uh, RG3 was a uh, first round, yeah. and then Cousins was a fourth-round pick. I think you're right. Okay. So, um, okay. Yeah, so I, it's interesting to think. I, I've never really thought about it that way. It just kind of popped in my head. Yeah. And say, okay. And, and I don't – I think you're kidding yourself. One, if you say Bortles is an undrafted guy. He played five years in the NFL Mm -hmm. uh, as a starting quarterback. I think you're also kidding yourself if you think just because Foles won a Super Bowl, you'd say he's a top 10 pick if you had to do it all over again. Now, again, you'd sign up for any quarterback that won a Super Bowl, but you're missing the point of the the conversation, I'm saying, if you just do that for the the Super Bowl alone. Um, So anyway, interesting thoughts. D.D. Westbrook, interesting thoughts. I, I, I can't say he's wrong. And now we'll see how it translates to the field here in Jacksonville. Still the one unknown. We get a look at it on Thursday night. Jags and Dolphins on Fox 30, 8 o'clock. And we'll have a pregame show for an hour from here in South Florida, 7 to 8 on Fox 30. When we come back, more Jags talk. Catch up with A.J. Boye, the forgotten guy on this defense, and also Baker Mayfield, what he had to say. Does it bother you? Do you hate Baker? Do you love him for it? Next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. Brent Morneau here in South Florida. I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort. Fantastic hotel. My favorite. That's why I came down a day early. I said, you know what, let's get out of here uh, a night before the Jags even get down to South Florida. So we're, we're doing the show from, well, practically the ocean. we got a little, uh, what are those things called? With uh, When they're going over the water, uh, the edge of the boat uh, kind of looks like they're parachuting. What's that oh, called? Parasailing. Parasailing, yeah. Um, well, Parasailer going by. <laughs> there you now, go. Hey, now, if we could pull off a show while Parasailing, <laughs> that would be something. I mean, let's be honest, Brent. Since we've been on the road, the show hasn't gone in and out at all. So uh, from that perspective, oh, it's been solid. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Brent, I'm knocking on so much wood right now. I'm just saying, let's not get overconfident here. <laughs> we were in the ninth inning with a no-hitter. <laughs> Well, guess what, man? Go and bring me for the clothes, man. I'm going to close this thing out. Don't worry. Oh, my gosh. Brent Martineau here. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios ruining no hitters. Who's <laughs> here as well trying to keep it all together. And uh, mm-hmm. thanks for the hospitality down here at the Marriott Beach Harbor Resort uh, for having us out and hooking us up with a pretty good setting uh, in the background. Hey, uh, serious note, and uh, we're a sports show. like to have fun, but... Uh, the more and more I see this story, and obviously I work uh, with Action News Jacks and CBS 47 and Fox 30, see a lot of emails that go through. But uh, these missing firefighters uh, that went out on the boat and have not been found almost five days now have gone by, and so many people looking and trying to search for uh, these two guys. Uh, thoughts and prayers with their families. So what a tough time, and, and everybody out there working hard to try to find them. Just got some notes. 200 searchers, 75 boats, 11 aircraft. Uh, two still out there right now. 24 uh, targets have been found, but not the missing uh, firefighters out on a boat. Uh, 12,600 square miles have been covered. Uh, donations are still needed, and they're going to go back out at 7 a.m. They need volunteers. 
so they're shifting the operation up north, it looks like. So uh, anyway, um, thoughts and prayers with uh, everybody and the families and, and all the volunteers and people looking. That's uh, really a sad, sad story uh, right now in, in the Jacksonville area that we continue to follow on the news side. And you can watch CBS 47 and Fox 30 to find out more details on that. Uh, back to some football talk. Interesting exercise we put out there, Austin. Got some uh, responses. I kind of like this. You know, where would you redraft Foles compared to Bortles based on what uh, D.D. Westbrook kind of said today in the Jags locker room? Um, American Filipino says BB is a solid fourth round QB. And he says in parentheses, another reason Caldwell should be fired (laughs) because he drafted him third overall. Foles was a late first, early second. That kind of falls in line with what we were saying. Yeah. Um, Tyson says Bortles sixth round, full second round. I'm okay with that. That's okay. uh, an honest answer. So uh, interesting if you go back and do it. We just kind of thought of it off the cuff in, in the last few minutes, but it kind of puts it in some context. You know, if you, how much better of a QB do the Jags have now than they did last year? And uh, we'll, we'll soon find out. We'll get a glimpse of it in a couple of days here in South Florida. But uh, we will really find out throughout the fall of 2019 and what Nick Foles can do with this offense, with this football team, and how much he impact them in a positive, hopefully, uh, way. Yeah, you know, and listen, if these grades you know, hold up to be true, and listen, this is just my opinion, your opinion, but you would think where you see the – production of going from really a, a fourth or fifth round guy like everyone's saying about Blake Bortles and you go from a late first round guy to an early second round guy like Nick Foles um, that's all you need you know I mean I think if you have that type of person given with that offense of the way they look right now with you know Fournette staying healthy the being the biggest thing but then also a really solid defense um you know that's got all the it's got the recipes to win and i think with that all things considered you have to like that going into the 2019 season here absolutely and part of that is the jags have a fantastic defense right they have this great front um and and maybe great's overhyped some people say i don't think it is i think on paper that is a great front and it has potential to really be the best front in football uh you can debate that part but it can be and then on the back end you can debate they're the best tandem at the cornerback position in football, and that is Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. I said this last week on the show. I think A.J. Boye is kind of the forgotten piece of this defense. This guy is a stud player. He's a big-money player, yet he's very quiet and doesn't get a ton of attention. Some guys have bigger personalities. Some guys draw bigger headlines. Ramsey with what he says and does. And Ramsey, for my money, is, is, is the better football player, I think, at that position. But not by great lengths over A.J. Boye. Boye, two years ago, had a fantastic season. And he was a much-sought-after free agent coming out of Houston and UCF. Uh, after he had, he was undrafted coming out of UCF. But once he had that good year for Houston, a lot of people wanted him. Houston just couldn't keep him with the dollars. Jags go get him, and he has a great year. Last year, disappointing on so many fronts for so many different players. I caught up with A.J. Boye and asked him about... First of all, missing camp and being healthy now. But I also bring up that quiet, silent, assassin type of deal that A.J. Boye is on this star-studded defense. Hey, let me ask you about Marquise uh, first. Uh, good to see him back. I know it's been a long recovery. Injuries are tough on guys. Uh, 
What's it like to have him back in the fold? It's great. Um, I've definitely been grinding with him all offseason, um, especially in camp. So just to see him back out there, know the work that he put in, the setbacks he had, you know, he's a big part of our offense and our team in general. So it's great to have him back. Uh, he said it's so hard to watch other guys sit out and sweat. You had to do that a little bit at yeah. the start of this camp. Uh, good to be back for you, too. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're competitors. We always want to get better. When we're not out there, we feel like we're not getting as good as we want to get. So, uh, you know, our strength coaches and everything did a good job of making sure that we just came out there and just stayed in shape. So when I came back out there, I felt like I was right on pace. Yeah, first day, you looked like you were full speed. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you sit out the right amount of time? I mean, did you take care of that, maybe even give it an extra day that, that maybe in the past you might not have? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think this year I did a good job of communicating with, you know, the coaches, the weight coaches. I tried to push through things, and it just made things worse last year. So uh, they worked with me. They knew how I wanted to be out there, but they know I'm always trying to get better. So, uh, you know, thanks to them and the training staff, they helped me out a lot. You want to play on Thursday night? Yeah, well, I'm going to play, so I'm not worried about that. So, yeah. how, how hungry? I'm, this is a hungry defense anyway, but you're kind of chomping a little bit because you guys haven't been in a game and just the, the philosophy of this preseason, the way Yeah, it's definitely. You know, preseason, you know, it's a time to just see where you at, try new things. You know, if you make mistakes, it's okay because you're going to learn how to get better come week one. You know, we're going to be starting fast with that. So it's just all about getting timing down right, whether it's technique and everything like that. I brought this up the other day. I feel like we've mentioned Yannick. We mention Ramsey all the time. We mention Calais all the time. Uh-huh. You can sometimes be a, a forgotten piece of this defense. Um, you, don't, you don't seem to mind that, though. You kind of stay even keeled. I don't, I don't mind that film, don't lie. So, you know, there's always fan favorites. I've never really been one of those, but I'm still in the league. So it is what it is. How, how good are these young guys underneath you? Uh, we talk a lot about Trey Herndon and Breon Borders. How impressive have those guys been? They've been impressive. Um, you know, we all been working together. You know, I've always talked to Trey about certain stuff outside of the field. You know, we've been spending a lot more time together as DB. So you got him, like you said, Breon and Tay and everybody just making plays. We're all excited for those guys. You know, they're learning and they're developing. You know, I was there at one point, and just to see the growth in them is good. Have you done more coaching than ever before in your career? We see you and Jalen kind of working with these young guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, like I said, I I've been in that position before, especially as an undrafted guy. So, you know, I just always try to give them pointers on what, uh, you know, coaches are looking for, personnel people are looking for, not only here but everywhere else, and just always update them on their technique and everything, just like they look out for me and Jalen, too. I really like A.J. Boye, Austin. Uh, Again, I I do feel that way. Don't you kind of feel like he's a little underrated and and not talked about? Maybe uh, is it a little too far to say even underappreciated at times around here? Yeah, um, I think untalked about, fair. I think underrated, absolutely. Um, Underappreciated, depends who you ask. I think if you ask the fan base, um, they might agree. I think that he is very coveted in that locker room because if you look at offenses these days, Brent, where it's a pass-first league, um, for instance, you know, week one, Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, Jalen's going to have to stop Tyreek Hill, and maybe they'll help him out and everything. But someone's got to stop Sammy Watkins, who's a very capable receiver himself. Hence, that's where A.J. Boye comes in. Uh, if you're playing the Rams, you know, if you see him in the Super Bowl, you're playing the Rams. Uh, for, you know, the one receiver to t- stop Brandon Cooks, well, guess what? Someone else has to stop Robert Woods. And the way you're seeing these rosters constructed now in the NFL, um, you, you, you know, you're seeing still there's a focus on the ones, but now it's almost like this is for most teams. You know, I mean, of course, every team's different, but it's almost now like you have to be able to stop the one and the two because if you just focus on one, the other one's going to hurt you big time. So the fact that the Jaguars have, I think, the best corner tandem in the entire NFL 
that just helps things in the, uh, on their defense um, hands down. So well, and I think if you had DJ Hayden in the mix, he's fantastic. I, I think he can be really good. I mean, I don't I, I don't want to oversell, but I think he's really good in that spot. And sometimes that second wide receiver comes from the slot, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's where that's where those guys are, are making hay now uh, in the NFL, as you've talked about uh, many a times. So, all right, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little Baker Mayfield. How annoying is this guy, or do you love him? Where do you where do you sit? There's no gray area on Baker Mayfield. Where do you sit on this? Antonio Brown's back, I think. Maybe it's changed as he filed another grievance. And I got a thought for you, Austin. When when Ronan was born, yeah. How often did you eat uh, uh, fruit snacks? Like a lot? Never. <laughs> you never had. You didn't give your kid fruit snacks. Oh no, yeah, he had fruit snacks all the time. Like fruit snacks. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I give him fruit snacks. Why? Like, I lo- I'm addicted to fruit snacks. <laughs> like, the addiction started when the twins were born, and they're now 14. <laughs> and I'm still eating fruit snacks. Okay, yeah, yeah, I would give my son fruit snacks. I'm not really a, a fruit snacks fiend, if you will, but... You did, uh, you're telling me you didn't steal fruit snacks from the kid? Never, no. But I did steal his Reese's Peanut Butter Cups from Halloween. But let's, well, go, let's go ahead and break down this fruit snack addiction when we come back here. I'm curious to see if we can help you out. I've got two packets of them right now, and I'm going to eat them in the break. Brent, this is a safe spot. I just want you to remember that, all right? You're in a safe Thank spot you. here. You're welcome. Very much. Uh, we're coming back on ESPN 690. Fruit snacks and everything. Uh, you know, as we're building the program right now, um, you know, we look and, and get caught up in a lot of ways in college football, you know, facility-wise and, and, and some other ways that we continue to maybe maybe catch ourselves up uh, to the rest of college football that way, you know, because there's so much we have to offer as a university. And so what we want to do is make sure that we have the most to offer in every category across the board. And when we do, we can get back to that level. Oh, Dan Mullen talking facilities and everything else. I, I got to tell you, and I like Dan Mullen a lot, and I think he's doing a good job. I think my only question on Dan Mullen as a football coach is can he win the big one? I think he's a good football coach. So let me get that out of the way, Gator fans. I, I don't not like Mullen. And I don't not like the Gators, much to the contrary of what many people around that listen to sports radio and even ESPN 690 or watch on TV and CBS 47 and Fox 30. I am not a Gator fan. (laughs) Sounds like you've been getting a lot of Twitter hate about this. But we all get lumped in as Gator fans if you are in the media in Jacksonville automatically. I'm not a fan of any of them. Um, but I like to see them all do well, quite honestly, because it's more fun to cover when people do well. That being said, that's, that reaction from Mullen, to me, is what I don't like about college football right now. It's just it's all these excuses. Okay, I don't have facilities. I don't have this. I don't have that. It's like, and I understand, believe me, I, I get it that if you build a standalone practice facility or standalone football facility now, you now all of a sudden become ranked in the top ten. Like, it's how it works. There's an arms race. There, there's, a, there's something that, that translates from building structures and facilities to being good on the field. It, it's reality. I'm not ignoring that. But at the same time, it's about football and it's about going to a, a kid's high school and about being in uh, a kid's parent's house and, and saying, hey, I, I want your kid to come here. I'm going to do the best for your kid, and you got to win them on the recruiting trail. you got to coach them up and develop them, and then you got to win football games on Saturdays. And it's still about that. And I think at times we make college football out to be about all this other stuff. 
And while it has some importance and relevance, and it's part of the puzzle, kind of what Mullen was saying is it's part of the puzzle, I think it often gets used as excuses. And I think a little bit of this is, hey, don't put too much heat on us yet. We don't have the facilities. We don't have too much expectation. If we don't win this year big because of this, this, and this. And I'm not saying it's just Moen. I think a lot of coaches fall into that to buy themselves some time. And um, I think probably that was the case with Willie Taggart in Tallahassee, saying, hey, I've got to fix all this infrastructure. Jimbo messed it up, so give me time and let's wait on it, and here's the stuff I have to deal with. Again, some of it might rea- be reality, but to me it sounds a lot like excuses. Go in there, recruit, develop, win football games. To me it's still simplistic in a way. Exactly. You know, like you're never going to hear this at the NFL level, and it does kind of rub me the wrong way when you're almost like – it's almost like – and I don't want to call it a loser's mentality, right? But you're almost no, like – it's survival, Austin. You know, that's what it is. Well, These guys are making a lot of money. They get put on a hot seat quick, and they and, and there's no patience just like the NFL, but there's no patience from the fan bases because of all the dollars involved. And so they want to they want to buy time. Okay, I understand that. But if I'm a coach, which I'm not, but if I am, I'm doing everything in my power to win football games. And I, you know, not cheat, obviously, but do it within my power uh, to do it the right way. And I'm not going to almost like set myself up for failure here where I'm going to have these fallback switches, basically, where if things do not go my way, I'm going to put my finger over here or I'm put my finger over there. To me, a successful coach can't think like that. A successful coach just can't be like, yeah, you know what, we don't have this, we don't have this, we don't have this. And that's why it happened. Forget that. If you're a successful coach, you take what you got and you make it work regardless of how bad or good it is. To me, that's what makes a special coach. But I understand this is a different time now, and I understand college football is different than the pro level. But at the same time, if you're a coach, you know what? If I'm a player, Brent, I want my coach to be 100% all in, knowing that he's going to try to do everything in his power to win a game and not set up these fail switches to blame where if he doesn't win a game, he has those to point off of. Yeah, and listen, again, I don't, I, I, I guess I am kind of singling out Mullen here because he just said it in front of a microphone. He's not alone. And I think it's kind of the mentality of coaches a little bit now is, oh, we don't have this, we don't have this. It's funny, it's like this hard job, this, this tough, violent sport, macho sport. Yet I feel like the coaches in, in the game sometimes come up with the more excuses than players. You know? I mean, it's like, all right, just go do it. Yeah, get it done. It's tough. It's hard. It's harder than ever before. There's more competition than ever before. There's more good programs. There's more good coaches. There's more good players than ever before. But go do it, and may the best man win. And I, I you know what? We'll, I, I want to hear a coach say, you know what? We'll deal with that. It will come along, and we'll deal with that stuff. Um, it's just part of it. And everybody's going to catch up. It's cyclical, whatever it might be. But we're going to deal with it. We're still going to win. And. Um, I think they feel that way. I just don't think they always say it uh, that way. Hey, simply put, Baker Mayfield, uh, GQ magazine, whether he got misquoted, out of context, whatever, he goes after my guy, Daniel Jones. Did you see Daniel Jones' response? Oh, I didn't see that. That's Is that out? That is out, yes. So What is it? Uh, oh, I just had it brought up. Oh, I'll find it a second. Keep going. Okay, well, yeah. either way, bottom line is, we're, what side of the camp are you in? Do you love Mayfield or dislike Mayfield? Because there's no in the in between. I got to be honest with you. I'm right now. I'm in the dislike camp. If I'm being honest, I'm kind of hoping they go four and twelve. Okay, and you're saying this because why? Before we debate here, uh, I I think I said it earlier in the show. And again, I'm being honest here. If 
I think I would like the guy a lot if I was covering the, him day in, day out. Okay. I think if it was here in Jacksonville and you had that guy, I think it would be fun. And I think there, and, and I'd probably have a better understanding of him too. So in fairness, I'm watching this from thousands of miles away, um, and I don't know Mayfield. I've never been around him like that. But I mean, we all get to make opinions and and yeah. with what we have. And I just don't like a young QB that's really done nothing in the NFL coming in and yapping like this. You know, at least when Jalen yapped. He had already made an all, a Pro Bowl and an All-Pro and re- pretty much established himself as much as probably the best corner in the game. Mayfield hadn't done that yet. And so to take shots, whether it's in context or not, uh, I'm more on the dislike uh, end of things spectrum than I am on the I, I love this guy. Okay. Um, you know, I love Baker Mayfield. Now, like I said, I am against what he said about Daniel Jones, and here's Daniel Jones' reaction to it when asked about the GQ article. Daniel Jones responded by saying, uh, yeah, I've seen him play. I watched him in college and a little bit last year. He's a great player. He can throw it. I enjoy watching him play, which is like the total Eli Manning answer. Oh, so much. Which makes you wonder, like, did they somehow genetically engineer Daniel Jones from, like, an Eli Manning-type lab because they're, like, the same dude? Anyways. I think Archie had another kid. Oh, yeah. They just didn't you know about it. the black sheep? Okay. <laughs> I got you. A little conspiracy theory for everybody. I mean, I mean, I'm telling you, man, you're right, though. I mean, he just about almost looks and sounds like Eli. He does. He does. Uh, but getting back to Baker Mayfield, I love how he's acting set aside from the Daniel Jones comment because this is a guy who... You know, a lot of people said shouldn't have been taken where he was taken at the number one pick overall, right? He shouldn't have been the first quarterback off the board. Comes in and puts up numbers that warranted him the offensive rookie of the year. Now, what does that mean? I mean, yeah, there's been some offensive rookie of the years who's kind of fizzled out, and there's been some that have done really great. But from that perspective, you have to like what he's done. 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and 14 games. And now you add guys like Odell Beckham Jr. You know, to, to go along with Nick Chubb, to go along with uh, Jarvis Landry. I mean, let's be honest here. If you can't win football games with all those guys in a solid defense, then yeah, maybe you're not the best quarterback in the world. But I think with everything that Baker Mayfield sh- has showed so far, and I understand there's a, there's a double standard, you know, in terms of the quarterback and the way you act. Um, but for the most part, especially now that he's been in the in the pro leagues, you know, I'm not talking about his college days. But since he's been in the pros, yeah, he's may have he's may have pounded a beer. I pounded a beer before. I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah I'm certain, not worried about that, by yeah, the way. But, well, okay. But, like, and, and maybe, you know. I still don't know if it's a great look, but you better play well. It's an awesome look if you play well. Exactly. And, yes, he's called out some of his teammates during press conferences, during training camp. And I'm all for that, too, as long as you can back it up. And all things considered so far, Brent, 27 and 14, that's backed it up. Being the yeah. offensive rookie of the year. That's backed it up. Now, we'll yeah. see what happens this year going forward. But all things considered, set aside from the whole Daniel Jones comment, like I said, I don't like him going against, against another quarterback. I think there's a there, there's a line that was crossed there. Now, who knows if his, if his words got minced and taken out of context. That, that can happen. But all things considered, yeah, I, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan for sure. Hey, listen, if he has another good year and he proves he's going to be a good player in this league, I might fall in love with him. I, I might. I mean, yeah. you can. He's that guy. But he's very polarizing to me right now, and I'm just giving you my feeling. The first feel I get is like, 
Man, I hope this guy goes 4-12. <laughs> well, hey, I'll be honest. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him, Brent, because they've surrounded him with a lot of weapons now. Yeah, so there's just there's a no excuses. It's just a snarkiness to him, you know? Again, it's cool if you know him, but not so cool if you don't. There's something weird about it. Hey, uh, this show is flying by. <laughs> yeah, this show is, is flying yeah. Uh, he beat you in the chugging contest, I think. Oh, you'd be uh, surprised. Oh, yeah, you don't have the, the Teen Wolf teeth to crack into that beard like that guy did. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because well, I, I have a permanent retainer in my teeth. I'm not going to wreck that, Brent. Come on <laughs> When now. we come back, stay in your lane. And Jalen Smith says something about his contract that makes you wonder about Yannick Ngakwe's relationship with the team. I'll share that as we put a bow on the show from South Florida next on ESPN 690. Wow, so the numbers are in on Jalen Smith's new deal. Five years, $65 million bucks with the Cowboys. $35.5 million guaranteed. Third highest paid guarantee makes him a top five linebacker. And he's only had 22 starts in the NFL. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty Big impressive. Big bucks. Yeah. Yeah, pretty. Uh, you know, it shows Brent's they have truck. a love affair with this guy. And uh, maybe rightfully so. It's a pretty cool story. And it makes you wonder, man, about uh, Miles Jack. I mean, this team's going to re-sign Miles Jack, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, Brent, absolutely. But we got to ask ourselves, I mean, can they keep Calais Campbell? You know, I mean, can they somehow restructure that deal? Well, let me ask you this question, Brent. Real question here. Yeah. Miles Jack or Calais Campbell, who are you keeping? I think you have to keep Miles Jack. Just, just, I love from, just from from the age perspective and everything. Yeah, I mean, even I just even think, listen, even with the knee. Well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't yeah. know what their reports say. <laughs> I gotcha. Let's just say the doctors say, "Hey, he's fine. We think he we've he's got another four years, three years, fine, no problem. Mm-hmm. Not showing anything. Same thing we saw at the the combine. Uh, I, then I just don't think I, you can let this guy go. I mean, he's in your middle of your defense. He's a super talent. He's young, and I I, I mean, listen. There's nobody more I, I love on that football team, probably from a player perspective, than Calais Campbell. Guy's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. But if you have to pick between the two, I I just think uh, I think you have to to look down the road in this thing, mm-hmm. and and take a Miles Jack. I, I think um, you have to do it that way. So, I mean, we'll see, and we'll see how close this team gets and where they feel they are. But uh, you know, you could always use a franchise tag potentially if you don't use it on Yannick and something happens there. So there's options. But real quick, Jalen Smith, great quote. I had a four-year go to retire my mom. That's going to come a little sooner now. Very good quote. Nice. Uh, and how about this? Jalen Smith on his contract situation with the Cowboys, noting that he was under team control for two more seasons. Quote, for us to get an extension done like this is a testament to how much we love each other. Okay. <laughs> is that what, – what did you think of as soon as I read that? Oh, I thought of Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, that's, you, that's all, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. See, I thought of Yannick Ngakwe. Okay, yeah. Ngakwe's coming up. They're trying to get a deal done. There's been a stalemate. Nothing's going on. He's going to play on $2 million. They couldn't come to the, the agreement on an extension. Yet in Dallas with Jalen Smith, and it's a story they love. It's a great story to tell. Um, it's a little more reasonable dollars probably. It's a less vulnerable position than running back, so it's a little easier than the Zeke deal, a little easier than the Dak deal easier than probably the Amari Cooper deal and easier than the Yannick deal here but I just thought hey if we love each other this much we're going to get it done well there's obviously not enough love I think between the Jaguars and Yannick and Gakwe or they'd still be talking or have gotten something done 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Brent. It's just, you know, when I hear that there's not talks, when I don't see Yannick's on Twitter, you know, putting up the cryptic messages, and maybe he has, I just haven't been paying, paying close enough attention. Um, when you don't hear the, the national reporters reporting anything, like, you know, talks have heated up again, I just assume that Yannick's just going to play out this deal this year and then let, let the chips fall where they may. Not to say that they can't re-up the conversations, but whenever you hear the fact that both sides aren't talking, it's just, it's not a good side or it's it's not a good sign um from that perspective so honestly yeah. like when i hear things like that i just don't think about yannick and getting paid anymore because no one's talking if no one's talking if there's no form of communication no one's getting paid just takes a phone call but it's not happening and it uh, looks like he's going to play on that final deal of uh, final year of his rookie deal hey this is challenging now you got less than 60 seconds to do stay in your lane cruise control and pump your brakes let's see if you can do it all right cruise control going out to my guy tennis player ducky lee for winning his first atp uh tour main draw match in winston-salem what's the big deal you might ask from the south korean player well he did it without the ability to hear ducky lee is legally deaf and while you may wonder what the big deal is tennis players rely on sound of the ball leaving uh, the racket to react off their serve shot. So Lee must focus more on his opponent's movement and uh, use his strong eyesight in order to be successful in the game of tennis. Very so cruise cool. control uh, going out to Ducky Lee. Uh, pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. This is actually a request from uh, at Twitter at Orc0909. I uh, asked me what, what my thoughts were with NXT moving to Wednesday night to take on Ollie Wrestling. Everyone's making a big deal about it, thinking the Wednesday night wars are going to happen. Listen, DVR was invented for a reason. And while <laughs> NXT is, is promising, they're not going to compete with Ollie Wrestling because NXT will be doing their tapings from Saul, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, from from uh, Full, Full Sail University by Orlando, and of course, Ollie Wrestling is going to be all over the country selling out stadiums, selling out arenas. So from that perspective, I'm not too worried what it means for Ollie Wrestling. Alright, you can DVR CBS 47 and Fox 30, or just watch it live tonight. First and 10 training camp, 11-15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. For Austin Lane, Coos, nice job back there, guys. We'll see you from South Florida again tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.